ready as I'm gonna be, man. I'll tell you. This is how I feel on most pencasts. Right? Oh so my you're god, in, you're in good shape. That's exhausting. <laughs> You'll be fine, man. All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do a thing. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous, and extraneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about why the Lamy Emporium doesn't get a lot of love. The most popular ink color in each brand, where Drew's going to try to make me guess what they are. So that'll be a little fun activity. Hopefully I don't make a fool of myself. Uh, why Machier pens range so wildly in price. We're going to talk about which pens and ink the Avengers would use. I'll have a lot to contribute to that one, I'm sure. And we're going to talk about what it's like to work with your significant other, me and Rachel specifically. Uh, we've also got a hypothetical. We've got... Uh, look at the Twisby 580 Iris and all kinds of other turkey hannock shenanigans. So we're going to kick it off with some feedback. That's right, we are. And we are going to get a return from Bonzon. And mm-hmm. if you'll recall, Bonzon asked us about silent capping. Um, yes, yes, so, I remember this. Uh, yes, he mentions here in this comment, Thank you for providing such a detailed answer to my question. It's true that I couldn't stop laughing when Drew advised to drive people crazy with the Pilot VP, because I told him, let's just start off really loud. Uh, But he was literally taking notes on all the suggestions, so he actually started writing that one down. Uh, He says, I guess I'll... Sorry, I don't mean to say he. Uh, I guess that I have to agree with Drew's top pick, the E95S, since I've been considering that pen already after hearing you praise it on several occasions. I now have one more reason to want it, smiley face. On the Mm. other hand, I may want to start with cheaper pens like the Genhow 51A or Lamy Safari, see how they work. I appreciate that several other viewers made great suggestions too, and I'll consider them as well. What a great community. And I loved this comment specifically because of that community engagement Mm. factor. I love that Bonzon was able to reach out to us, comment again saying thank you to us it's just like this wonderful back and forth between bonzon and ourselves and then there was that further component of the community in the youtube comments adding in their opinions and insight as well and i just i love it so much it makes me so happy and That's right it's just it's a the circle just, of life it's just awesome i love being surrounded <laughs> by that it's magical and wonderful and beautiful and yay so thank you for sharing that bonzon i appreciate that and then moving on to Mark. I thought this was funny because we discussed whether or not we wet both of our hands and then soap them in order to wash them or uh, go in dry, do one hand wet while the other hand gets all sudsy. Mm. And Mark here, I think, is uh, authorized to offer some insight. Mark says, wet both of your hands first. This protects the natural skin oil layer while still removing the badness. Hmm. Nature of my work, nurse practitioner, requires that I wash my hands 40 plus times a day. And I always wipe down the sink edge. We talked about that too. Yes. Always making sure that sink edge is so good. Good good job, Mark. Thanks wow. for fighting the good fight. So 40 times a day. Wow. Yes. But, so I guess what Mark is saying is that if you do soap first, soap eats away so much hmm. that it would take away your oils and dry your hands out a lot more. Hmm. Um, but if you wet them first... 
you get that little bit of you know, protection there and still get rid of all the bacteria and nastiness. So I'm going to take it from Mark. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, Mark, Mark does the thing, man. So I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, you're like a, with, you're like a hybrid Drew. You're wet in one hand. Yeah. Yeah. Just... But I'm, I'm, I'm going all the way. I also don't want dry fingies, Brian. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't want that cracklage happening. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that much of an issue myself. I got naturally really oily skin. Oh, not me. I get but, the I get the white webbing. It's disgusting. Oh yeah, I do oh, get that. Yeah. Like in the dead of winter, I might get that. Well, I mean, yeah, in the summer I'm okay, but basically any time other than summer, yeah, I'm dry. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Very cool. All right, and I got some feedback from Hannah. Hannah said, I knew Brian's Back to the Future answer would be the 2009 DC Pen Show, but I didn't know that he almost didn't go. That's right. I didn't know that either, Brian. Hair's hair's breath away from not going. Because I had heard that tale once or twice before, Mm -hmm. the origin story, if you will. But I I don't remember hearing about the guy who was you originally supposed to go with and then back down the last minute. That was new. That was new to me. It was one of those details that I just like, it wasn't, you know, like he wasn't somebody in the fountain pen world. It was just kind of a tangential thing. So it wasn't like a central part of the story i guess but then like when i was prompted and i really thought about it again the, the memory just kind of like popped yeah. back in my head so it wasn't like i was ever intentionally trying to lead that we were so close out, to the darkest timeline i mean it's very true it just goes to show that like <laughs> you never really know what little thing what little event could mm-hmm. happen that could change the tra- trajectory of something really important in your life that's why i'm like i'm a serial overcommitter because i've had so many things like that happen from just leaning in to sporadic opportunities where you know i i have not regretted it so i i end up doing more things than are probably necessary because i don't you don't wanna, say i don't want to yeah. <laughs> understatement <laughs> of the century right you know what it also makes you do brian <laughs> it also makes you so difficult to it also makes it impossible for you specifically to answer the question what would you go back and do differently Oh like yeah, because I'm never like, into because you're like, well, one it all led me here. One little tiny change could completely alter everything. So absolutely, you never have anything. It's like, the, what about butter, the butterfly you, effect. Like if yeah, I go like, back and change any one you, thing, yeah, you whole injured yourself horribly. You're like, nope, nope, I'll do it again. Like everything, because I'm I'm here and I'm happy and all is well. So even the bad stuff, even the bad stuff that's happened has shaped where I've gotten. I just, I mean, yeah, this is how I I don't know. It's hard to complain. So anyway. Thank you, Hannah. I'm glad you appreciated that little detail. I'd sort of forgotten about it myself, but um, uh, we were also pretty sleep deprived at the time, you know, baby on the way and whatnot. But then once the baby came, I was like, forget it. I thought I knew what tired was. And then I had a kid and then I was like, oh, this is next level, next level tired. All right. Marie says, hi, guys. I've been watching the pencast for a while. First time commenting. Hey, Marie. Welcome to the commenting world. Say, say goodbye to lurking status. Um, thank you for the discussion on neurodivergence. Without mentioning too many details about myself, it feels good to see this is more commonly talked of. And we got a lot of responses um, from people with either they have or have people in their family or close to them, ADHD, dyslexia, autism. Of course, there's all different types of neurodivergence. Um, (laughs) true to form Drew and I both forgot we'd actually kind of answered that question previously Um, totally forgot about it we were like this is a great question and then we genuinely just answered it from the heart as if we'd never answered it before (laughs) and then after we recorded the pencast Drew was like hey Brian we totally have answered that basically exact question I was like well 
Okay. <laughs> that's that's. Chances you know, are anybody with these issues probably give, forgot give, about yeah, it too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> given, given the topic, that's that's appropriate. You know, we're like, yep, well, yeah, yeah it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's the kind of thing like normalizing it. The more you talk about it, you know, it's not anything to be like stigmatized or anything. We won't discuss the whole topic again, but I'm really glad uh, that you're able to benefit from that as well as everybody else. So there's a lot of really, really good comments. We won't single too many people out here because again, it's kind of too much to share, but if you go back and look at the comments posted on YouTube from the last PenCast episode 53, um, lots of good stuff about their neurodivergence on there. So very cool topic and I'm glad to, yeah, it feels like a very like community feedback uh, kind of episode that we had, Drew, last Definitely. week. It's good stuff. All right, um, so that's what we got for feedback, and now we're going to move on to some new stuff. All right, so kicking it off here, this is I got something that's not coming in for a little while, so I have no idea why, but I'm starting off with the thing that's further out, and then I'm going to talk about the things that we have now. So whatever, this is how we're doing it. Um, the Preppy Wah, so there's already been some Preppy Wah. These are like limited edition style, not numbered, but you know, special edition type Preppies. A um, little bit more expensive than regular Preppy, but not by much at all. Um, they're different colors have some cool patterns to them i won't break down every one because there's six new ones that are coming out but they look pretty cool if you go on the coming soon section of gulaypens.com you'll see them they're seven dollars and eighty cents each really affordable for fountain pen the preppy's a great pen i think they're only in fine nib but very cool in color i have here one of the old preppy was uh that uh, are the currently available um I don't know, Drew. Do you know if they're being replaced by these new ones, or are they just adding to it? I don't quite know. I that think I don't think that we uh, carry those anymore. I think those press press I think they've come and gone. Okay. Well, there you go. So if you want them, they are going to be limited in nature. Where did we get the old ones? Like maybe a year ago, something like that. Um, I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere in that time frame. It's been since COVID. So um, definitely check those out when they come out. They'll be available in September. So I'm giving you a little bit of a heads up. Are you really going to track a $7.80 pen for two months? I don't know, but I'll, I'm sure I'll mention it again in September, forgetting that I ever talked about it now. Um, and then two pens uh, that we do have uh, in stock. We have a couple new ones from Benu. Um, I believe these ones were in development before they moved, um, but we did not uh, you know, get them in stock until now because moving is disruptive, especially moving countries. Um, so we have uh, two pens. We have Dream Bean and Four Leaf Clover. These are the Talisman models. Very popular, popular model. Very interesting. Lots of, I'm not going to say, I guess texture. Is texture the right word to use, Drew? It's got facets, but they're not facets all the way down the barrel. They like facet mm-hmm. and then they kind of turn a little bit. So I don't know. I've never seen any faceted pen that is shaped quite like this. It's very interesting, but it's very subtle too. So it's, you know, if you are more sensitive to textures and stuff like that, I don't think it's going to be like one of these, like, you know, making the back of your neck, you know, the chills feeling hair on the back of your neck. That's what I was going for. There's no, yeah, there's no sharp edges for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not going to be like one of those type of things, but it's, it's got an interesting kind of texture to it that I find pretty interesting and kind of pleasant. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I think it's but, delightful, uh, and yeah. it, it is a popular model. I mean, the sales are doing really well with this model, and all it of the is, talismans yeah. have a a luck component to them and a whole story behind why oh, this yeah. element like is lucky in a particular culture. They're all really fascinating. They've got like about. this whole spread on the inside that covers. This one's four leaf clover. The other one is dream bean. Um, I knew nothing about the dream bean, so it's been pretty interesting to read about. I won't get all into it here, but you do get some nice knowledge packed into your pen here, and so. The, these pens, cool. in addition to the other talismans that we have, all actually have a component of the, you know, mandrake oh. or whatever infused or imbued into the 
acrylic of the pen itself. Yeah. Like every one of these has the talisman, the lucky charm, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. in the pen somewhere somehow. Yeah, which that's fitting with the the model name, right, talisman. Um, but it's interesting because you know I didn't even they didn't quite sink in for me because I saw the four leaf clover and it's got like little clovery glitter in it, and I was thinking like, oh, okay, that's the clover. But no, there's like somewhere in here you can't really see it, but somewhere in here is real four leaf clover. Apparently, you can buy four leaf clover. And it's what every one out of every five thousand clovers is a four leaf clover. I think we yeah, looked at that. Yeah, but that's, that's that without fact. genetic modification. You know, we don't we don't have time for that. True. I don't know if they used organic four leaf clover or if these were genetically modified. I don't know that level of detail, but there is some kind of clover in there. If that matters to you, I don't think. It's, I just think it's a neat detail. Just the yeah, it is. They put and into all is of cool. so all of these talismans are actually in a way, the thing that they're inspired by. So yeah. if you did want to carry around some Mandrake or some uh, uh, Edelweiss, you can do that <laughs> with a pen. Absolutely. It's pretty cool. You got a good story to tell. Um, and then the other pen that I have to mention, very excited about, Twisby, popular model, uh, popular brand. Uh, it's come out with a 580 with the Iris trim, just like you had the Vax 700R Iris. So this is a rainbow coated trim really nice looking i like this a lot it looks yes. really really cool clear pen with rainbow trim absolutely a nightmare to photograph our photographers were like wow this is taking like all the most difficult components of a pen to photograph but it looks pretty sharp and in real life it's 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 tight it looks really good it's got that like edge on the nib too with the rain not the whole that, rainbow that but just that edging so like good. just it looks really cool so definitely vibing with that so you can check those out i believe we're launching those on the day that we're launching this Pencast episode. So if all goes to plan, we should have those. Um, yeah, but pretty cool. I don't know how long we'll have them. I don't know if it's a special edition, but I mean, I think we're gonna have them for a little bit, but I mean, we still have, we still have the VAC 700. So still the VAC 700 Iris. Yeah. But I mean, like Twisby's had some stock issues and stuff just like everybody has. So they have um, been in and out at the beginning. The VAC 700 went pretty fast and we had to wait a little while for a restock. I don't know what situation we'll be in with these ones, but I would say if you are like diehard set on getting one of these get on it sooner than later but I, it's not like if we sell out in the initial batch that we're we have no idea you know we're supposed to get some follow-up um shipments and stuff like that so i don't think you're gonna have to wait months or anything but you know it's gonna be kind of popcorn in and out kind of a thing so anyway that's what i got drew what you got i'm i'm going to repeat something because last mm. week we discussed sailor's new monyo inks and i hadn't yet used them I mentioned that I was going to use them. I was going That's to right. swab them on different types of paper, and I would report back because I figured they would have some multitonal properties. And in fact, they do. Yeah, they, they do. They have right there on the side of the box, you know, multi shading or whatever, uh, two two tone shading. I think they say on the box, mm-hmm. and every single one of them, all four. I also I accidentally said eight. There's only four. I was looking at samples and bottles because I'm. Uh, eight skews. Eight individual SKUs, yes. products. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, you know, I'm not totally wrong. <laughs> but all four have great, great chroma shading uh, properties, and they all look really, really nice. So they at do. the very least, I would recommend checking out the samples because everybody should own at least one bottle of Sailor chroma shading ink. It is an experience like none other. Just like you should mm-hmm. at least try something with heavy she- sheening or try a mm-hmm. shimmer one day. This is the other thing you should try is a chroma shading ink by Sailor. It's not every day an ink actually produces a totally different writing experience on the paper than these inks do and these inks do it so if you haven't tried something like this or neko yonagi or haha like check them out it's 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 worth a try for sure yeah i'm digging it i love it and 
And then um, this one isn't really a new product. It's it's something we just decided to start carrying. But the legendary, iconic Pelican M1000 in black. It's just something that was missing from our site. Uh, and we were like, you know what? Let's put this on there. It's not a special edition or anything. Normally, we do no. way better with the special editions. But it's yeah. it's it's the icon, right? So mm-hmm. we went ahead and have it up there. So well, they it's don't there do- now. Yeah, they, they do special editions of the 400, 600, even the 800 on a somewhat regular basis. They really don't do many specials of the 1,000. So it was kind of like years would go by before we'd have any M1000. And it was like, okay, well, let's at least have something there. So they really don't have a lot of colors of the M1000. So we had to go with the standard, you know, least exciting colors of it. But it's, you know. But, but it, it actually started is from. Phenomenal. Yeah, it actually started from the comment section of YouTube. Brian did the video on like top seven pens to last a lifetime, and he mentioned mm-hmm. the M1000, and it was one of the few pens on that list that we actually didn't sell. And mm. people were like, "Wait, what about this one?" And yeah, we're like, "Okay, well, sure, <laughs> it's, it's there now." All right. Yeah, I think I might have shown I, I might have shown the one I had that which was a limited edition one. You showed the um, green ray. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we'll yeah. get like one or two of yeah. those every time they do. You know, so it's like. Not exactly widely available, and those ones are rotten, and they're way priced way higher than a normal they're one. They're so, so good looking, though. Oh my god, it's pretty good. That would be their flagship model, if I had to say. Mm. All right, that's it for the new stuff. You can always check out new stuff coming soon, new arrivals, whatever you want to call it, um, on GoodlyPens.com. It's a great place to keep up with it. You can sign up for email notifications if you want to get a heads up exactly when we get stuff in because it does send out to that list. We don't do pre-orders or hold stuff or anything like that, but we'll at least give you a heads up as soon as we put it in stock. All right, now moving on, we got some Q&A. All right, Brian, something weird happened last week. Did it now? We got not one, but two questions on Instagram about mm-hmm. why the Lamy Emporium isn't more popular. Two and completely we, independent completely, questions. Unless it's the same person just get with two different profiles, but... I doubt I, it. And I was like, okay, this ha- we have to mention this because this is too freaky not to mention. Hmm. So uh, Mercedes and Dennis both asked, why isn't the Lamy Emporium more popular? Uh, like, So it's a pretty simple question with a simple answer, I guess, but... Yeah, I just, I just felt like the universe was telling me that we needed to talk about this. So I Apparently. just wanted to go with it. I didn't want to anger any, you know, deities I was unaware of. There you go. Um, okay, so, I mean, we can talk about the Emporium. Um, you know, it's it's a pen that, like, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I was reading some blogs and stuff just trying to educate myself a little bit more about it. I mean, we've carried it since it came out, but, um, you know, just trying to get other people's opinions and perspectives and stuff like that, reading do reviews. We, do we carry it now, have read it. Yeah, yeah. We do? Yeah, I believe so. I'll oh, check it out. Did. Um, <laughs> now you got me, you got me wondering. We should. All right, well, you keep talking. I'm gonna seem like a dum dum if I don't have it. Oh, maybe we don't. Really? Oh gosh, maybe we discontinued it because it doesn't sell. <laughs> uh, that might be the case. Well, in that case, um, you know, I have nothing against the Emporium. It's an acquired taste. Um, so I think the price has a lot to do with it. It's definitely one of Lummy's most expensive pens. I think mm. it, it might be the most expensive pen that they currently offer, with the exception of like special the, editions and you know, those Arushi dialogues. Yeah, Arushi dialogues or like any of the special edition two thousands and that kind of thing. But um, you know, it's the price has a lot to do with it. You know, it's got the it's got a wonderful nib on it that fourteen karat gold Lamy nib. 
good nib. Dip, yeah, it's a good nib, but you can get that nib on a lot of other pens. Like, not a lot, but you can get it on certain studios. You can get it on other certain special editions and things like that. And and in some places, you can even buy that nib separately and then put it on basically whatever Lamy pen you want, except the 2000. Um, the Dialogue 3 has got it. So, you know, you can get that same writing experience on a less expensive pen. So that's part of it. Um, the grip itself is probably the part that stands out the most. Very unconventional. It's got that kind mm. of like ribbed, bubbly kind of a grip mm. that's also tapered. So it's... Definitely an acquired taste on the grip side of things. I did not um, acquire it. So if, you, uh, if you're familiar with a pen from the 90s called the Lamy Persona, it looks similar to that. So I think it was sort of a re-inspired version of that. Um, that one had a different nib. That one had a nib that the wings of it actually wrapped all the way around, just like the Lamy Lady, which I have, I have one of each of those. Um, and those nibs were really cool, but they don't make those anymore. So they kind of reimagined the persona and uh, it became the Emporium. I don't dislike the pen, but you know, I love that nib. I think it's a good writer, but the grip is, is, is a, is a bit weird. You know what it um, reminds me of? It reminds me of those old, like, you know, sci-fi robots from the, you know, mid century. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The arms, you know, yep. the, the, the rubbery, like yep. danger. Will Roberts, uh, Robbins, Robbins. Robinson, Will you're Robinson. On, you're on your own on this one. Crap. Don't grab onto me. I Danger, can't, Will I Robinson. Can't, I can't yeah, swim in it's the Robinsons. It's the Robinsons. Yeah. Lost in space. There you go. Sure. Golly. Think of like Christopher Robin or something. Christopher like Robbins. <laughs> Danger, Christopher Robbins. <laughs> poo in space. Wow. Hey, everybody's got a poo. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, it's a metal pen. Pretty. You know, it's fairly decent size. It's 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 not huge in diameter, but it's it's a very dense pen, so it's really heavy. Yeah. Um. So we didn't really get a lot of complaints about it once people got it if they liked it, but we definitely had people that were like, "Why is this pen so expensive?" So, if, you know, it seems like we don't have it anymore. Seems yeah. like I should know that, but um, <laughs> apparently I didn't think as much of the pen to even care to check on that before I did this. I just assumed we still had it, but. Um, if you're really interested in it and you want us to bring it back, let us know. And we will, if there's a groundswell of interest, but, uh, I think there's just so many other alternatives, especially good Lamy pens, um, that, um, you know, it's pretty easy to pass it over. So nothing against it, not knocking it, but you know, we're only going to carry stuff if people want us to want us to sell it. So, uh, that's kind of where we're at. And Drew, I love your notes that you put in here. Drew left literally one bullet point in the notes and he just says, cause it's UG. That's it. It's UG. I so, have my opinions. So you only you're in that camp, huh? It's <laughs> I fine. don't like it's, that. It's weird. It's like it's like a pug or a chihuahua. You know, it's like <laughs> it's kind of cute, but in a interesting way. Yeah, yeah. It's that yeah. it's that grip that does it for me. That's just like I don't. Yeah. Norm, normally, German pens are so practical in their design, and yeah, that grip is like, what what happened? <laughs> Why did you decide not know. to German? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Lamy, a lot of times, I don't know specifically this pen. A lot of times they will go with designers that are specifically not from like the pen world because they want to get, Uh, you know, kind of outside influence. So it could have been, you know, the original grip when they did the persona. I don't know the history of the persona, um, but it could have been that they collabed with somebody who, you know, wasn't in the Lamy sphere and they were trying to just get something different and they sure got it. So anyway, if you want that pen, you can't get it from us. So go buy it somewhere else. 
Next question. Uh, this is from New Life Leatherworks, I would assume. It got cut off, but Leatherworks. Uh, what is the most popular ink slash color for each brand? Oh. This is like its own video topic here. It is. It is. Well, we're not going to discuss our favorites, but based on data, we do have inks, colors, that sit atop the heap of mm. every brand's sales. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. them right here. Oh. Now, so, now, okay, we got we to gotta just clarify a little bit because we do sell both bottles and samples. Sometimes mm-hmm. we sell multiple sizes of a given bottle. That's so correct. Like, how did you compile this data? Did you take all of that into account? Is it by volume? Well, Is it by revenue? Like, what's I, the... I used a very advanced statistic-y, oh, calculate program named could... Jeremy. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> it's, it's the name of my computer, my, my highly advanced, right. self-aware computer. Okay. Al- a human, Al- a, Al- a Al- human Al- who Al- knows computers, yes. Algorithm. Um, <laughs> so, no, our data analyst, Jeremy, provided me with this. You can envision, so, yes, Jer- I- you can envision Jeremy as a robot with those ribbed arms that, <laughs> that you have on the, the Lamy uh, Emporium. Yeah. Uh, so, he is including... Um, uh, not samples, but okay. multiple sizes of each bottle. So these okay. are bottle sales. So full bottles. That's more of a commitment than just a sample. I think yeah, exactly. Good. So these are full bottle sales, but we are including, you know, 30 mil, 60 mil, whatever. If we have multiple, okay. you know, like Dimine has multiple bottle sizes. Yeah. So we're including yeah. all that. That's good. So okay. um, what do you think Aurora's top color is, Brian? Well, they only have three. So I got a 33.3333% chance mm-hmm. of getting this right. I know previously it was Aurora Black, but they came out with a blue black a couple of years ago. And I'm going to say that just because it seems more interesting than black. Should have gone with your gut, buddy. It is, is it Aurora black? black. Dang it. Okay. All right. What about Colorverse? Colorverse? Oh my gosh. There's so many colors. Yeah. You want me to just give you this one? You're not going to do it. I mean, I know Quasar is popular, and it's like a dark blue. That's kind of where I would guess Quasar. Uh, it is actually Extreme Deep Field. Okay, so from from the uh, similar, season seven collection, similar color, but yeah, okay. Mm, it will. It's Extreme Deep Field plus NGC eighteen fifty. But that Extreme Deep Field is the that's the banger. That that's the okay. one that looks super good. But Fair no, enough. there's no way I would have gotten that either. I know you're going to get Diatrementus though. Give me Diatrementus. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to get it. I'm not hundred percent confident. Yeah, you De- are. Document Black. You are correct. Okay, they have a lot of very interesting colors. Dude, Document Black kills it. Is that Document one like clear Black. front oh, runner? Okay. Yeah, dude, Document right. Black. That, that's a sweet ink. You'll probably right. get Dime Mine too. Well, I so this one I kind of cheated because I remembered when we did our top inks of last year. Uh, this is, the, I got Jeremy to pull the last six months. Okay, so we'll see if it held strong, then it's Writer's Blood is the top color. Writer's Blood been. remains... Remains at top? Okay. Yes, sir. Well, it might come back then in our top inks of 2022. All right. I'm not even going to bother you with Diplomat, but it's black. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I didn't um, even think about Fer- that Ferris Wheel Press, newer brand for us. I was not um, confident about this one at all. Tumbling Time Blue is the only one I thought maybe. No, no, but you're, you're, not, you're not way off. I believe Tumbling Time Blue is one of their newer limited things, okay. um, as is Roaring Patina Black. Um, so okay. Roar- that's the black with the shimmer. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, that is the most popular. And okay. uh, Erban, that one, this one surprised me. So, do, I, are we talking 
Jacques Urban and Urban, like all of it together, or is it just the like 30 mil Urban? Just the 30 colors? mil Urban. I guess Pearl Noir. You are correct. Okay. I wouldn't have gotten that one. I would have said uh, Poussard de Lune. That one's pretty popular, but Eclat de Saphir was always more popular than that one. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, now Pearl we're now... now Pearl Noir, this with... is going off like 10 years ago data. Pearl Noir was always Hey, yeah, hey, you're, you're, you're working it. You're working it. What about Jacques Urban? <sighs> uh, Emerald of Chavour, no question. Boom, boom. You no know question. it. You yeah. know it. Lamy. Ooh, this one's tough. I said Crystal Azurite. Oh, BG. Did I get it? Coming at it. Yeah, man. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't have. Wouldn't have. I don't know any of these. Uh, what about that Moon one was Tim- tough? That Mo- one was tough because the crystals yeah. are, are significantly more expensive than the regular line. Yeah, dude. No, good call. Good call. All right. All um, right. And these are these are by volume, not by revenue. Okay, so fair enough. quantity sold, not by how much they are. Like by uh, milliliter. So- I'm just kidding. Not <laughs> in volume. Monteverde. Ooh, Horizon Blue. Close. Yeah. I know you'll get it with your second one though. Oh, uh, shoot. I don't know. What is it? California Teal. California Teal. Okay. Yeah, it's probably close because I know Horizon Blue is super popular. They're both they're both really good colors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Noodlers? Uh, Noodlers Black. X Feather. X Feather. Okay. X Feather. It was always like Black, X Feather, and Heart of Darkness. Yep. It's always been like competing for time. Yep. Okay. Organic Studios, obviously Nitrogen. Nitrogen. So that, that's not a even giveaway. a question. Yep. Not even a what question. What about Pelican? And uh, Oh, this one's tough. I said Brilliant gold- Brown. I said, oh, please. Um, <laughs> golden Barrel? Would no, you're going to be surprised to hear that it is Moonstone. Really? Okay. I mean, it is newer, I guess. It's got the hype yeah, train behind it's, it. Yeah, it's more last, of a special color, yeah. Yeah, okay. last year would have been Golden Barrel for sure. We had, I know stock, you're get... we had a lot of stock issues of Golden Barrel, so that yeah. that's why I had a question. No, I didn't have a question mark. I had a question mark in my brain about that one. And Irojizuku is? Kanpeki. Of course it is. Easy, easy. Easy. I'm just going uh, to say, I don't dictate <laughs> these. Obviously, you all are actually buying these. I'm just so pleased with how many of these are just blues that right fall right into the <laughs> color range of what I love. Like, that's not like we're pushing blues all that hard. I mean, I am. But like, this is like, of all of the inks that we're selling, 800 colors. Look how many of them are. That's uh, a crime like that a, there's no browns gorgeous on here. cobalt blue. Anyway, all this right. makes me uh, really happy. I think platinum is going to be an easy one, too. Uh, I put carbon black. Yeah, man. Carbon black all day long. Yep. Yep. Which between that and document black, like that shows us that people really do value that and X Feather. So you've There's, got X Feather, yeah. Carbon Black, and Document Black, all three very utilitarian blacks that actually perform, you know, a task that you buy it for. So well, I then you got Aurora cool. Black, you've got Urban, yeah, Pearl Noir. Um, Pride and Reserve uh, surprised me. I wouldn't have guessed this one. Yeah. I guess DC yeah. Super Show Blue. I, I would have guessed something along those lines either, yeah. but it is actually Plum. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Private Reserve Plum. I would never have guessed that. that Neither would. Yeah, that, that really caught me off guard. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess we're, we need to get on the Plum train, Drew. You, you probably will get Robert Oster in three guesses. Oh, there's so many Robert Oster colors that are interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess Blue Water Ice because I talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's not quite not quite but close not quite okay that's not surprising oh my gosh i know rose gold antique was pretty popular but it it's is kind of specific so i wouldn't think that it would be that but that's just it one is that comes pretty to mind. specific yeah oh my gosh 
No other specific one is coming to mind. Fire and ice. Fire and ice. That's so close. It to is. Blue water I know. Ice. I know. But Robert Oster has a lot of banging blues. It's a good one. Fire and ice yep. is a good color. And that one was the OG. That came out before Blue Water Ice. It did. It did. So, it slaps, as the kids uh, say. It's got a little more sheen. This sheen's a little heavier on Fire and Ice. So it's pretty good. It's I get pretty it. good. But the shading on Blue Water Ice is so good. So it is. Good. I mean, that's the thing that <sighs> people. You could draw criticism at Robert Oster for having too many blues, but they're no. all so good. They're all really good. I know, they're all really good. They can they can eat into each other a little bit, but yeah, they all, right. all still look really good. Anyway, they do. And mm-hmm. Rohrer and Cleaner. Ooh, I put Salix. Good, good one. Uh, but it is indeed Alt Goldgloom. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a very interesting color it's a it's unique i think that's the color definitely that unique Roar and cleaner does that isn't yeah. easily uh you can't easily find a clone no elsewhere. yeah no other color i think urban might have a color that's probably the closest to that um very olive maybe or maybe there's another olivey kind of a yellow ink that i'm thinking of that's close to that but there's not a lot of companies that make an ink in that color mostly because i think the color is kind of ugly but the shading on it is so interesting that i it, really like it yeah it, it does stands out do yeah really good shading interesting noodler's golden brown is kind of like that lighter yeah, brown with good yeah. shading but I, I definitely prefer old gold for sure yeah old, and D- diamond's got a couple of colors like that too like you know I mean, I guess not to that same degree, but you have like an autumn oak or something like that. That's a little mm-hmm. more in like the orangey brown kind of yeah, family, it is a but I think orangey. I think it's the same kind of thing. Like that color alone itself would not be most people's pick, but because of what it does, it's kind of interesting. Anyway. Yeah, if it was more flat, then probably yeah. not. But it does do this beautiful shading, so it's good. Yeah. And then sailor, I know you're going to get sailor. I guess Monyo, haha. You are correct. Yeah, the yeah, Ink man. Studio 123 is also really popular, but the, I think the. The Manyo has got to do it. I'm interested yep. to see how these new Manyos do, though, because they're pretty cool. I know. They really and are. They've got that multi-tonal thing going on. That's why people like Haha. So Yeah, I like uh, Fuji mm. is a really good one in that line. Mm-hmm. But they're all fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twisby is Twisby Black. So Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Black. Whatever. I'll give you, I'll give you points on that one. Yeah. Uh, and then Visconti, that's kind of easy. Oh, gosh. Uh, is that blue, right? Yeah, yeah, it's blue. Blue, okay. Yep. Dude, you only got like four wrong that's like tremendous yeah that is absolutely Ken, tremendous. Ken tremendous over here um <laughs> but uh no so just so just so you know drew just so oh. you know oh okay we're gonna so, are you gonna are you gonna slip into deep dive without telling no me? No, no, no no i'm just i'm gonna go about okay. my my thought process here okay. for how i went about this I, so i i did look at our website just so i could just so i could be refreshed because like oh that's fine I'm trying to remember off the top of my head is is really but you hard. didn't look at the back end you looked at no no no. i looked at the front know. end of the website yeah, you know, that's that's fine that's but not cheating the thing is when i when i filtered and i looked at aurora i realized that the default view that showed was best selling and i thought that that would give an unfair advantage so and that's as best selling as of like currently so it wouldn't necessarily give me the top answer but i felt like it would be kind of cheating a little bit so after i looked at aurora but it had aurora blue black as first anyway that's not why i chose it but it did have that listed first so it was wrong immediately um based off of the time frame that you're pulling this um but even still because i realized if i looked at it through the like product section of the website and it would default to best selling. I actually went over to the swab shop and I looked it up because I knew it would not filter it by. Look at you being sales. all honest so and stuff. To maximize my integrity, How I, just, I looked that? at every brand in the swab no, shop, looked was... through all the colors, and then just from memory wrote down the ones that I thought that, were. That uh, is pretty tops. super. I, I don't know if, uh, I mean, 
I don't know if Rachel would have gotten 100% of these. Oh, I probably, think she, she probably would. She's phenomenal at that. You think she would have gotten plum? I don't know. She she I don't know. She can look at spreadsheets of data and just remember I it. I know. You know, so it's like I, I I remember this from like using it and talking about it and producing videos, like ask, all this after, kind of stuff. After like, this, ask her about PR. I bet she'd probably get most all the rest of these. PR is the only one that I think might trip her up. That one would, yeah, that one would be tough. I don't know about, right. yeah, like Robert Oster too would be kind of tough. I don't know. Yeah. Ask her about does, PR and report back to us next week, okay? Okay. We'll see all if right. I remember. I won't remember. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll see. You want to move see. on to the next one? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, Doe1313 asks an interesting mm. question about mm. Machier. I love Machier pens, and they range from $25 to $10,000. Please explain the differences. Mm. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, they can go over $10,000. So, yeah. They oh, can yeah. Go, they can go higher than that. They can um, go but, all the way. But, you know, still, the point is made. Uh, they can be expensive. I'm just realizing now I'm kind of like answering two questions in a row here, Drew. So, I don't know how you spun that one on me, but... <laughs> oh you put me on the spot no it was technically your question the last one but i ended up having to be the one to do a lot of the work oh that's right yeah i was i was it. like answering it but you were i was quizzing you while you i was answering me. it it's fine yeah i'm just I, my commentary. plan my plan was to just answer it but i guess it, it thought i know i kind of got excited about it i kind of yeah i kind of wheeled my way in there so it's fine. oh no it's all right and now i'm blaming you for it don't you like that that's <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm sorry all right. Um, okay. So, Machier pens, 25, 10K or more. Um, yeah. So, first off, I'm going to say $25. What the heck pen is $25 with Machier? I don't even know what. <laughs> you know, I, I think I've pen, seen some like, uh, you know, uh, like maybe like s- in Japan, the like absolute cheapest didn't pen you can get with like not even real maki but like no stickers basically that are put yeah on it. it's going to be those stickers like stickers I mean, I guess, with lacquer over it i guess technically like so i've been to japan once and i went to like a couple stationary stores they have more or less like dis- maybe not disposable pens but like you know preppy level of quality pens there yeah. they're, they're mass produced pens like that and they're not like hand-painted makie i would assume but they have like I don't, I don't know exactly how they produce it, but they have some kind of maki where it's like little little dots or flowers or something that are just like kind of sprinkled on it. Or it's like a screen printing essentially sort of process. It's like a, I think it's a screen printed sticker that gets put on and then maybe one layer of lacquer over it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. It's, it's, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what... They can call it is, maki for sure, but and I've definitely seen things like that. So that's probably what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. And like the, the most affordable ones that we've ever sold, I don't, there's no $25 maki in the US that I've ever seen. So I don't think that you can... Not get, one that should definitely be called maki for sure. Yeah, I'm not aware of any. Doesn't mean they don't exist, but none of them that we've ever seen from any brand we've carried, at least. Um, so I will say, um, mm. you know... What I what I would consider to be Machier is like actually hand applied stuff like that. Like the least expensive one I've ever seen has been like the Platinum Modern Machier or the Kanazawa Leaf Machier that have been in like the one one fifties to like two fifties range. But even those those are, are the ones that are like, like they're applied and then just like lacquered over. Basically, they're not yeah. they're not hand painted with the thing on the barrel. Yes, it's applied by hand technically, but you know, and they're gold nib pens too. So it's like. That's a good price, even if it didn't have any maquillage on it. Yeah. That's a good price for those types of pens. Um, but I've never seen anything. It's, it's 25 But either way, 
the nature of the question is like, why is there such a massive range in price for Maki? I think that's the heart of the question here, which is fine. Um, so I think there's a couple of basically different factors at play. One of them is a small factor. One of them is a, the biggest factor. So the the smaller factor, which is still important, is basically what's the underlying pen and nib that the maquillage is being applied to. Because maquillage is a it's a finishing technique, right? So it's a Urushi lacquer, and you know you're you're putting something onto a pen. You have to have some canvas for which to do the artwork, right? So whatever the pen is. You're not going to have a maquillage pen of any type that's less expensive than the base model of the pen, right? So if you have a pen that's, you know, got some kind of whatever rodden with Urushi lacquer or vanishing point, you would assume it's going to be much more expensive than a regular vanishing point because you're starting with a vanishing point and you're, you know, spending more time adding more value to it. So the underlying pen is, gives you a kind of a starting point. You know, if you have a pen like the Namiki Emperor, well, the plain plain black Yurushi lacquer version of an emperor is $2,000. So you're basically starting with a $2,000 pen and then applying more stuff on top of it. So it's going to be more than $2,000, right? So I think, uh, but you can still get, you know, say a Kanazawa leaf from platinum for the 200 ish dollar range. I don't remember exactly what the price is off the top of my head, 216 or something like that. I don't remember, but you know, so that's a much lower price pen than you're starting with for something like a Namiki emperor. So the base pen is a factor, but it's not the biggest factor. The biggest factor is the time and the complexity of the maquillage work itself. So if you have a pen with $10,000 worth of value to it, yes, the pen itself is going to be really nice, but it's going to have just a ton of time and talent that's involved in creating that pen. You're going to have much more intricate work, many more techniques, probably a blend of different techniques that are done on a given pen. And they're gonna be extremely limited too. These are not pens that are gonna even be capable of being mass produced because they have to be done by trained artisans of which there are really not that many, uh, a handful really in the world who can do this type of work, especially on a pen, something as small as a pen. Um, and uh, m- you know, the vast majority of these are gonna come out of Japan. Um, and so that is definitely their like treasured heritage over there is that technique. Um, they'll train for literal years before they even get the opportunity to work even in a group on some of these pens. And then let alone if you're a kind of a solo artist, an individual artist being featured on like a Namiki pen, you know, those pens, you're not going to get one for less than probably six grand, you know, and they go up from there. But the techniques you see on them, the number of layers of lacquer are just mind blowing. I mean, you can literally feel the texture on the pen because, um, you know, they've, they've built up layers. If it's a flower and it's got, you know, rounded petals, they'll build up layers and you'll actually have like a kind of a 3d contour kind of shape on each petal that goes around. So it's, it's all that. And you're going to have things like quail eggshell and abalone shell and silver and gold dust and different burnishing techniques, different colors of lacquer with different relief and all these types of things. So it's very, very intricate. It's built up in many, many different layers that that um, can't be rushed. I mean, some of these pens l- literally take months to be able to produce a final output of one pen. Now they'll make them in like kind of batches and they'll do like one stage at a time, but it takes, you know, maybe a week to cure each layer in between. So like 
you if you made one pen or made you know 40 pens you can't do it any faster than say four months just because of how long it takes to cure every single layer of that lacquer and it really can't be rushed not only that but the way this lacquer cures this urushi lacquer it cures with a very specific range of humidity so it has to be humidity controlled so there are certain times of the year even that they're working that the lacquer will not cure or won't cure nearly as quickly because there's not enough humidity so they can try to like artificially kind of you know control that humidity but that becomes a challenge in certain times so they even their ability to produce these year-round is challenged just by the nature of how this material cures. So it's extremely fascinating as you get deeper into it, just everything that's involved with these pens. Um, but essentially, if you think about it in terms of how intricate is it, and it's basically how much time and talent has gone into producing these pens, that is the majority of what you're paying for. And then the end result, you can see once you, especially if you kind of study up on them a little bit, the average person, you know, just looking at these pens would be like, wow, that's a really fancy looking pen. Wow. How many thousands of dollars is that? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, and they won't learn any deeper, but if you learn more and think about it's literally some skilled artisan that's crouched over this pen going like this with a tiny little brush and like all their tools are handmade. These are not produ mass produced things. I mean, they like take like badger hair brushes and all this. They make all their own tools out of bamboo and that, and just for years and years and years of studying and training and that kind of stuff, they learn these techniques to do this very intricate work. And um, it's somebody that's just, you know, going at it over a very long period of time. So it's, it's your, you're essentially funding that art, you're funding that artisan um, and keeping that tradition kind of alive and so when you hold one of these pens in your hand yes it looks beautiful but when you think about like oh my gosh every single speck of dust was applied intentionally by hand by this skilled person who's probably been doing this for 20 to 30 years you're like wow this is this is a really special work of art so um there you go so the more of that that's involved the more expensive it is supply and demand they can't produce that many of them takes a lot of work and time and talent to be able to do it these artisans only have so many hours in a day so they can only make so many pens so that helps to dictate the price. Yes, indeed. And more often than not, the larger pens have the larger nibs, which drives up price. And because they're larger pens, they have a larger mm -hmm. canvas yep. for getting all that art on there. And more <laughs> art means higher price. So it's just, yeah. you know, the larger pens are going to be more expensive for mm -hmm. a couple of different reasons. But it's important to have, you know, some... I'll call them more affordable Machier pens too, because think about it, it's like any other trade craft. You'll have like your master craftsmen, these artisans who, you know, have trained for years and can do the really, really intricate stuff. But, you know, it's nice for you to be able to kind of like work your way up as a collector to get to those ones. Um, so it's nice to have some lower priced ones that, you know, those who are apprentices and are, can kind of work in a group and all that, they can do some of the, call it less skilled versions of Machier and some of the lower priced pens. More people can get Machier in their hands and appreciate that. And then, you know, they can build up their skills, eventually become sort of the masters and create nicer pieces of art. You know, so it's a, it's, a, it's good to have a mix of all of it. But, you know, with that much skill and that much of everything that's involved, you know, the range does go quite a bit. But it's not just pens either. I mean, we know about it mainly from the pen world. But, I mean, Machier work is, is something, you know, Yurushi artwork is something that is done I would say even primarily not in the pen world. They do it in all kinds of stuff, dishware, furniture, you know, all kinds of ornamental items. Um, and so, yeah, the, the fact that it's done in pens is really interesting, but uh, it's much, much bigger technique that's practiced outside of this, the pen world. So very cool. Yes, indeed. Great, great question. Love it. All right. Got a question from Potter Watch 
221B, whoop, just kicked my camera too. Um, for Drew, if each Avenger, OG 2012 Avengers to narrow it down, a fountain pen and or ink, which would dot, dot, dot. I'm assuming you can fill in the blanks on this question. Basically, what pen and ink would these Avengers use? And I'm going to go take a nap because I've... Do I have to answer nothing. this? Because I really don't want to. It doesn't <laughs> excite me at all. I've right. never even, I don't even know who the Avengers are. I think this is the longest I've ever seen your notes in one of these questions of anything we've been asked before. For me, this is just a regular question, but... <laughs> well, I, I don't want to not take this seriously, Brian. I mean, this is a very serious question with serious yeah, we, implications. We get, I've we, already had my... I've already had my nerd card revoked because of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so mm-hmm. I'm I take this seriously, okay? So Okay. Well now I get to do I get to put on the, the brave Drew face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh-huh. uh-huh. All right, well what do you mean by Avengers? Uh <laughs> That depends. <laughs> no, but but uh, we do have it clarified to the uh, 2012 uh, movie, okay. so that actually does help. Okay. Okay. So let's go with Captain America first, shall we? He's an American, lost a man out of time, if you will. Let's go ahead and go with an Edison Collier in Azure Skies. It's 100% married mm. in America. There's no frills. It's hardy. It's a larger pen, and it's blue like he is. However... Keep in mind, Homeboy is from the 40s, so he has actually used plenty of vintage pens just in his normal everyday life. So coming in here, he probably wants to pick up a vintage pen from way back when. But since we're going with, you know, pens I'm more familiar with, let's just go with that one. Uh, So there you have it. And moving on to Bruce Banner. And I'm saying Bruce Banner, not Hulk. Yes. So... You could go with Hulk and say something gigantic and green, but let's be real, Hulk is not using a fountain pen. And in fact, Bruce Banner is the most likely to actually be a fountain pen nerd like us of this group. Like he's going to be the actual fountain pen guy of the group for sure. So we're going to go with the Lamy 2000 for old Bruce Banner because even though Hulk isn't using this pen, this pen needs to survive a Hulk out. So... What if, he's, also, what if he's holding the pen when he turns into the Hulk? Uh, you know, I, I believe in the Lamy 2000, but I don't know if I believe in it that much. But either way, it, it's it's resilient. It's a resilient pen, but also it's you know a pen a fountain pen aficionado would look forward to using and care about, and he would do his research on. So it's a practical pen for a pen person, but also resilient enough to survive you know a couple Hulk outs here and there. So um, yeah. Definitely wouldn't want a disposable one, even though that would be practical for the Hulk instances. I think Bruce Banner's too much of a potential fountain pen guy to go with the disposable pen. Hmm. Moving on to Thor. Now, if Bruce Banner was the most likely to be a fountain pen person, Thor is the least likely to be a fountain pen person. Uh, He honestly wouldn't use it, let's be honest. He's not going to use a fountain pen. (laughs) He would just want the largest, most obnoxious thing he could have. So Mm. that um, probably the heaviest and most unruly pen we have, which is the Jinhao 999 Dragon. Dragon. Yes. (laughs) Because all all, all he'd want to do would be to like, hey, 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 look at my pen. And they'd be like, oh, this is too heavy and awkward. Hmm. It's fine for me. Drew, you know what else? You know what other pen I'm thinking of? Uh, The Monograppa Chaos, maybe. Or the or the Monograppa Pirate. I mean, that is a marvelous pen, but... Uh, I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Uh, we don't carry either of those. I wish we did, because... If Avid Fountain Pen user Sylvester Stallone is good enough for him... We can't then... even order those, Brian. Like, uh, don't, oh, don't I know. tease like me. Outdated. You know I yeah, like yeah. those pens. I know you do. <laughs> oh, dang it. 
my heart. But that's like uh, all, that's like that's about the only thing I can think of that's like even a step above. Oh yeah, he he wants something know, unwieldy like his hammer. He he loves yeah. he loves showing off how no one else can pick up his hammer. He'd want to do the same thing with his pen. If you pick up the chaos pen, you're like, oh, ooh, he'd like mm, works fine for me. I think it feels great. <laughs> I think it's perfect. It might be a little too light. So you know that that that's Thor. That's Thor. Uh, Black Widow, uh, she might use some fountain pens, actually. I went mm. with the Pilot Vanishing Point LS in matte black because mm. it's stealthy and tough and has that tiny that little, little red, bit of red. Red yes. accent, yes, yes. exactly. So it looks like a Black is, Widow. Exactly. It is perfect for Black Widow. I had to pick that one. Mm. Um, for Hawkeye, I don't think he's going to be using a fountain pen. He's a very, very down-to-earth practical person um uh, you, you could go with something like the saying? sailor wicked witch because what are you saying fountain pens are practical uh he he doesn't even like you, you if you look at like his the his he doesn't he's not a fountain pen person <laughs> he's not a fountain pen person he's he's just he's a very that that's no no and also <laughs> fountain pens are not anyway get out of here brian um <laughs> He would. He's not concerned with looks at all. He would not want anything like you could go with the Sailor nineteen, the uh, Wicked Witch of the West because it's kind of purpley and black, and his is kind of purpley and black. Um, I thought about the Lamy LS though because he would want something that could be easily weaponized, and the Lamy LS has a has a metal finial with <laughs> that cross in it that he could probably knock and shoot. However, the LS is also super light and would not fly through the air out of his bow very well. Hmm. So, in fact, I went with the Monteverde Regatta, which if you take the if the back of the Regatta has a massive like chunky metal handle for lack of a better term. It's weighty. If you grab that thing like a throwing knife, you could chuck that thing, and Hawkeye specifically could do some damage with the regatta. That's all he would care about. He'd be like, okay, well, which one can I kill the most people with? And um, their e- nibs are easily replaced, so after he throws it a couple times, he can replace the nib, put it back in his bandolier or whatever, and wow. you know, have another have another go. So Hawkeye would just look for something lethal. So that's what uh, that's what he's going to go with is the Monteverde regatta. Um, and then finally, Iron Man. There used to be a red and gold vanishing point, Brian. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yeah. It was pretty, pretty Iron Man-y. Um, mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. no longer have that one. So, And also, just because it looks like Iron Man doesn't mean that that's what Tony Stark would use. Tony Stark mm. actually might use some fountain pens. Maybe not as much as Bruce, but he would own some. Like You know he owns a fountain pen. I thought that Tony Stark would want something because he is a very, very elaborate person he likes Mm. to throw his money around but also he is a machinist and an engineer so he would want something that kind of bridges the gap between opulence and engineering and kind of detail-oriented craftsmanship so i picked a st dupont guilloche uh firehead uh Mm. line d in the red because that also is reddish and gold yeah and the guilloche is very very intricate especially once you like realize how they do it and how they use machines to do it it really kind of bridges that gap between kind of something machining uh, centric and also, you know, SD DuPont is very luxurious as well. So I think that is my Iron Man pen. That's it. Nice. That's the, that's the original team, Brian. That's pretty solid, Drew. I got to say. Thank you very much. I think we need to get some corporate sponsorships going on here. We need to talk to Marvel. Marvel? Marvel. It's Marvel. Get me Marvel. Get me Marvel. 
Mr. or Mrs. Marvel, please. Yep. Is that Disney? Disney owns Marvel now, right? Disney owns everything. Yes, sir. Okay. That's what I thought. How many more? They finally many? finally own they finally own uh, X Men now too. So mm. we'll be seeing X Men was X Men was DC, right? No, X Men's always been Marvel, but uh, Marvel oh. Studios didn't own them. Fox owned them. I can't keep up with all that. Yeah, so Fox owned Fan- Fantastic Four and X Men. Sony owns Spider Man, and Disney owns everything else. Wow! Give it time. Now, Disney will own everything. They will. Wow. Okay. All right. That's it for me. I know. I literally know the least about this question than anything we have ever been asked before. I was really excited that I, I'm the one that picks the question. So I was like, oh, I guess we'll have to do this one. Props. Very thoughtful answer, Drew. I agree. Knowing literally nothing, I agree with everything you said. Well, guess what, Brian? I have zero to contribute to this next question, in fact. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, well, I'll let you set it up then. All right. Well, our friend Emily asks you specifically, Brian, mm. what is it like working with your significant other? Well, I'm glad you're asking me this and not Rachel, because you'll probably <laughs> get a more positive answer. Uh, uh, being honest, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It is probably the single most enjoyable part of Goulet Patents is the fact that I get to work with Rachel. Uh, we definitely have our moments. A close, a close second would be me, right? Uh, close second. It depends how you define close. <laughs> <laughs> and second? <laughs> definitely not first. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, all right. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're great. Um, but no, Rachel's way better. But... Um, <laughs> I can say that, right? Like, yes, you can. It's just funny. <laughs> my wife is way better than you, Drew. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, so we definitely have our moments. You know, we've been working together full time in this for close to 13 years now. And then, you know, we started making pens and selling them like three years before that. So it's going on the better part of a decade and a half that we've been working together align to this because it's really more than full time because it's, let's be real we don't just work full time we're working all the time so probably 20 years worth of full-time work that we've done in that time frame um but you know we don't really struggle with it that much like we're just one of those couples that you kind of get sick of because we spend all our time together and we still are just happy about that <laughs> um we are very complimentary so um, we're very aligned in our goals but we both have different skill sets. I'm a little more extroverted. I like doing the video stuff and, you know, I'm more of the, I like the, to work in the white space. You know, I come up with ideas and of course all my ideas are great and grand and then they fall apart in the details. But Rachel's a details person and uh, she hates white space, but she absolutely loves solving problems and connecting dots and shooting down all of my ideas that really deserve to be shot down. Um, but uh, it really works well, the two of us as a pair. Uh, in that respect. So um, very aligned. We get to spend a lot of time together, but we have, you know, different skill sets to where we're not stepping on each other's toes too much. Um, And we've really worked hard to develop some very intentional kind of boundaries for each other um, in the workspace so that um, we know who basically has authority to make certain decisions. And we always take each other's, you know, perspective into account and things like that, but we're never like power struggling over certain things. Um, you know, maybe early on, not intentionally, we struggled with that more just because we hadn't like clearly defined every aspect of our role. But I mean, honestly, naturally, we pretty well fell into it. Like 
she is more organized than I am. So she really latched on to, you know, organizing purchase orders and receiving shipments and stuff like that. I would like packing things. I was creating videos. I was doing all type of stuff. So like even when we started the business in the early days, we both sort of naturally gravitated to kind of fill in each other's gaps. And we only have a few things that kind of fall in the middle where we really just both hate doing it. So <laughs> now we've hired for people that can do that kind of stuff. Um, but just, you know, functionally uh, for us, it really just, it kind of works. But, um, you know, I will say that like having been together for so long now, um, especially working together for, so, I mean, we've worked in this business together in our relationship longer than we haven't. So the vast majority of our relationship has been built around working together full time, which is just kind of an interesting dynamic that I don't think most that is kind of crazy. Have. I've yeah, never thought about that. Isn't that crazy? Like we've already, we've been together longer than we haven't in general as a whole relationship. So just in terms of like our own, you know, growth together as a couple and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just, it's kind of crazy um, that that's happened. Like but, you've existed as a partnership longer than you've existed as a yeah. solo human being. Yeah. Which is, you know, pretty cool. But um, And then of that, you've existed that, as business yeah. partners longer than you've existed as, as just a, partners. As a, just a regular couple. Yeah. yeah crazy. Um, so it's pretty wild. So it definitely is, it shapes a lot of, you know, who we are and what we do. But um, there's definitely been, I'll say there's definitely been certain points where that's been more strained than others. Um, mainly when just things in our personal life get really hard. Um, the, the kind of Achilles heel that we end up dealing with sometimes um, because we're both, you know, we're both the sole owners of the business. So whenever there's something that comes up, you know, if it's a challenge that we're going through, um, particularly some kind of a crisis situation, like using the COVID shutdown in 2020 and all the COVID related stuff ever since, you know, it's not like, yeah, I guess most I'm theorizing here because I, I really have no perspective on what it's like to not work, work, work with your spouse in a professional setting, but you have your job and then you go home and you, you talk about your job, but the other person's not as deeply affected by it. Right. So like they don't know all the same people. It's not like you had a meeting where you had to make a decision and they know exactly what was said or what was done. And they're impacted directly by all the details of it. You know, if you're working in separate places, so you kind of like filter through what you tell them about what you've got going on and they can encourage you and, you know, hear and listen and that kind of thing. Well, the challenge Rachel and I have is like, if we have something challenging going on at work, we finish the work day and then I'm, I've got something I need to talk to her about. She's so like inextricably tied to whatever the given issue, or she's also either a factor or a part of it, or is very close to it or whatever. It can make it to be where, you know, we can feel overly responsible for each other's challenges and, and things like that. So we do have to intentionally kind of, now we just have to over communicate in that respect, just so that, we don't either have work-related things that bleed over into our home life or home-related things that bleed over into our work life. And I'm looking at you, Drew, because I know we do this on a not irregular basis. Rachel and I, you know, like any married couple, you have things that come up from time to time. There you may not 100% have worked through something. And maybe that bleeds over into a a dinner party conversation or a visiting with other family members. And, you know, sometimes because we work together, we can be in a meeting and then we bring up and it, you're really kind of like, ah, ha, ha. And then you kind of reach out your point where you're like, oh, there's like something more to this that like they really need to work out 
but here it is coming up in a meeting, you know. The, the, the interesting <laughs> thing about that, though, is like, yeah, I have you've seen that a few times, but mm. it's you, you guys are such great communicators mm. that more often than not, whenever that does happen, the reason for it has already been mentioned. Yeah, because true, you're true. very transparent. Both of you practice vulnerability like freaking champs. Yeah, and, we do. We try to. Uh, so anytime anybody's you know shown some uh, chinks in their armor, uh, it's been well covered up until that point. And we're like, okay, well, we know that uh, this is going on. So yeah, you know, it just needs some space right now. So it's been it's been a really special opportunity to see you two work yeah. together and grow. And I think, you know, since Drew, you've been there since, you know, you've been seeing us grow as a couple in this business longer than anybody else. Um, you know, I think you can, you have a unique perspective on just how much we've been able to grow in that way. I will say just when we were younger, I mean, we also started it right when we had kids. So complete exhaustion, struggling through, I mean, we literally brought our kids with us to work for the first five years. So not only working as a couple, but literally working as an entire family in the building with all the warehouse and the everything, I mean, there was no work-life balance. It was no, 100% and that, integrated life. <laughs> those years, I know you guys were having a rough time because every day you so were stressful. questioning your entire life's direction because at the beginning, you didn't, you wanted to have the kids with you. And yeah. there were, there was so long where you were so desperately saying like, this is the way it should be. We should have the kids with us. And, I, the whole point of doing this was so that we could stay home and then we had to move into an office and then Rachel was struggling to have the kids in the room with her while she's also working yeah. and and you felt like you were failing at something if you somehow put the kids in, day, in daycare or something. And oh, yeah. But then once that happened, once you actually said, you know what, no, this is a business, it's bigger than us, We are. Mm-hmm. we have these people that we watch out for, we've got this awesome community we're a part of, Let's just let's go in. Once that happened, yeah. it you you guys had such an easier time, kind of honing in on your path and your your direction. It's true. Yeah, it took a it took a little while to figure out. We were we were twenty five when we started all this when we had our kids and did this business, and we're, we're thirty eight now. So I definitely a lot of just maturing in general has gone on. I think like any couple that's in a relationship for a long time it's it is in itself its own job like it's work you have to work at it you have to constantly improve and reflect and communicate and it just takes time you got to work on it um so i think you know us personally uh, have we've found tremendous advantage in working together and you know being together just in life because we carry over what i like to think is the best of both parts into the other um, and so for us, a lot of it transfers over, but that's just our style. Not everybody likes that. Some people like more separation between their work and home life, you know, and we have such a, I don't know, casual style about how we do everything at, at the office, you know, and in videos and stuff like that, you know, it doesn't feel as much like I'm having to work. Obviously it's work, but it's different because I'm just like bringing myself to it. Um, it would be very different if it was, you know, a different type of a job. So it's it's not the kind of thing that I would say would be right for everybody in all situations at, at all. Um, but I think for us, you know, we, we tried it out in the beginning. We really liked it and we just made decisions to lean more into that. Um, but I would say like the hardest times that has been for us have been with like major life crises when, you know, we miscarried our third child back in 2016 and then had a series of health issues with Rachel, you know, kind of unfolding after that. 
That was really, really tough. Throughout that whole year, we seriously doubted Rachel's time and involvement in the business. We considered, you know, is this too stressful for us to do this together? And we were thinking about that. Um, we saw through that and that was that was all good. But we've had other times too, like COVID has really caused us to reflect a lot on a lot of things too. Um, especially because then you get like all the health aspects and safety aspects that is inextricably tied with family too. Um, but I would, I would say actually the COVID stuff has helped to... I don't know. Like we were so hard driving. Like it's so difficult. I will say as a couple, especially when we, you know, we, uh, I don't want to get all into our life story with the whole business and everything, but we started it with very, very little money, very assurance that it would actually work. So it was a big leap of faith uh, that it would actually work and that we could actually draw a paycheck from it. We did not have much of a safety net. Um, It was pretty much just, we believed in it. We believed in ourselves and the work that we uh, were able to do and, you kind of didn't have a choice either. You're like, we have to make this work. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we we knew. I mean, I guess, yeah, We when I say we didn't have a safety net, like Rachel had marketable skills. I didn't really so much. So she was more of the safety net. But just with this business, there was no safety net. It was either going to work or we were going to have to change careers, basically. Sink if, or swim. if it didn't end up working. Yeah. Um, especially with the young kids and all that. It's not like we could have just gone and started some other random business. We pretty much knew this was going to have to be it. Um, so we just worked our tails off and purely just, you know, good fortune. It happened to work out and just a ton of work. I mean, a ton of work was a given no matter what, but it, we worked a ton before this business happened and the pen making thing, it never went anywhere. So, and, so we got to here. Um, but I will say now, like it was difficult probably for the first almost 10 years to turn off that, like sink or swim, do or die, you know, kind of grow or die mentality. Cause like we were just so used to, if we don't work as absolutely as hard as possible, this could all go away. And to a degree, that's always a little bit in the back of our minds cause we're self-employed and that's kind of how it is. Um, you don't ever really get away from that, but I think now we have such a solid team. We have a solid reputation and especially with COVID it's kind of being forced to separate ourselves from work you know, to a degree more. And then just for our own mental health, you know, we both see therapists and counselors. We do it together as a couple. We do it separately. Um, And just having a healthy outlet for activities that we each have that are outside of work, that are even outside of each other. You know, I talk about all my shenanigans that I do outside in the woods and welding and all that. She doesn't have anything to do with any of that. She tolerates it, but she, that is not an activity we do together, you know, and she plays Animal Crossing, like it's going out of style. So, you know, I'll also say that <laughs> since COVID began, I've noticed both of you um, <laughs> uh, imposing mental health breaks upon the other quite successfully. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that when we were all in the office, we would say that more. But I've seen Rachel yeah. say, Brian, you need to take a break. And I've said, and I've seen you say, Rachel, you need to take a break. And the great yeah. thing is both of you, when that is said, mm-hmm. the other person is like, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's not there's there's no fighting that goes. It's like if the other person says it, oh, yeah. you really do trust her. And it's more, you're like, yeah. okay, if Rachel's saying this to me, it's probably true. Let me go chop something down. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> it's more like an accountability partner, right? So yeah. Like we, you know, the conversations that we have together as a couple in like outside of work is like, you know, we we talk it through and like, hey, you know, like especially when COVID first hit. I mean, I, I think about this my, for myself a lot because I didn't. Our first house before we started the business, I fixed everything on that house. I love tools. I love fixing stuff. I was not, you know, 
I was not working as much as I am now before we had kids, all that kind of stuff. I was like more in like house flipping type mood. Um, I kind of way over it. And then once we started this business, had the kids, I didn't fix a dang thing around the house for like 10 years. So I gave up basically all that whole side of life. And then really right before COVID hit, that's when I decided to get a little bit back more into woodworking. Once the kids were like old enough where they could sort of have their own activities and we didn't have to be like constantly watching yeah, them. Go like do something. Toddlers. We started to feel a little bit more freedom back just as individual humans. So, you know, we, we kind of started doing that. And then once COVID hit and I was home a lot more, the stress of that, it was like I... I literally, you know, four o'clock would roll around and I'd be like, I literally can't work functionally anymore right now, you know, and I'm, I'm a little more fluid with my time anyway. I'll kind of like run out of energy around four or so. And then I'll like go work outside a little bit till dinner and then I'll get a second wind. And so I'm like working in like weird pockets of time, kind of just some, it's more about like energy management than time management for me, my personal style, but that works for me. I like, I like having that flexibility. So, um, I will say that like, Rachel and I both through, you know, therapy and counseling and then just talking together as a couple, both in work and kind of home. We've talked a lot recently, especially about managing stress and all that and what that takes to do that more as like an ongoing thing. Because let's be real, we can't just run this business like it's year one until we retire. It's just not practical um, for our own sanity. So COVID really forced us to reflect on that and just say, you know what, if we don't grow a couple more percentages this year, but we have a little bit better, just kind of a mental state and we're able to do some activities that take some of the stress off and I can move my body more and stuff like that. Like that feels like a worthwhile trade-off. And that's, that's actually been a really, really healthy thing for us, despite the stress of COVID um, that we are really trying to carry through now, even as we're finding whatever this post COVID world looks like for us. Um, you know, I'm still working outside. I'm still just enjoying that. Um, you know, even just for an hour or two a day, you know, I'll be, I was like working on random stuff. We'll talk about it more later in the, this episode, but you know, I was doing stuff last night and I just, I don't know. I enjoy doing that. And now I'm getting to do it with my kids too, which I really love too. But um, yeah. So, I mean, in general, I would say if you have a situation, if you have, if you have a partner who you feel like you really would like to work together, your skills are complementary, and you have the opportunity to do it, definitely try it. Like, don't be afraid of it, but just be aware that you're going to have to like way over communicate. And I will say it, comes with a great sacrifice of a social structure like we really don't have many friendships outside of like parents of our kids friends kind of a thing and like i mean i have other friends but they're busy we're busy we only get together very very seldom when the stars align and we can all kind of hang out kind of a thing but we really don't go to dinner parties and all that kind of stuff so like that fits our style you know but to work together and be together it consumes pretty much everything, especially if you have kids, a family, all that kind of thing. So that's the trade-off. I don't watch movies. I don't watch sports. Pretty much all my time is fixing stuff, my own little weird hobbies I talk about in the pencast, and then, you know, working and just doing our family thing. That's, that's basically my whole life. So I like it, but maybe it's not for everybody. So there you go. It would kill me. I can talk about but it. I, but, I pre- but I appreciate you doing it. <laughs> Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. You, Drew. You, to give you credit, Drew. You have such a great, like, boundary for yourself. Like, you're all in at work. Obviously, you have like stuff that comes up, and you have to whatever. Go to the vet and get your something fixed on your car, and like you work in that life stuff. But you're never like carrying stuff like from one place to another heavily. Like, you're really good at like 
no bouncing out those two so yeah no yeah. i've never never done that i i I've never, I think one day in 11 years, I don't even remember what that day was. I, I was stressed when I got home because of something that happened. I remember you, it was like a few months ago, actually, that I, I don't remember the exact situation, what it was, but yeah. Yeah, it's very it's rare. rare. That's, a, I that's, I'm, that's cool. It normally takes something really pointless and stupid to frazzle me. Yeah. That no one else cares about. <laughs> there you go. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's all we got for the Q&A. We are going to mix it up a little bit this week, aren't we, Drew? Yes, we are. All right, so we're um, going to... Oh, you go ahead. Instead of uh, doing a tip of the week, we are going to be doing a hypothetical. hey We're going back to old PenCast here. That's right, because just before this PenCast is being recorded, I got a message from my pen friend, Brianna, in the mythical land of California, who sent me a really, really interesting hypothetical. Mm. And it's been a while since we've done this, Brian. It okay. used to be a staple in the early PenCast episodes, but I it thought was. this one was worth... Worth, pa- worth passing along. All right. Um, and I, 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 fir- I first thought I had an answer, but now I'm not so sure. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna mm. have to ping pong back this we'll, one. So we'll, we'll rumble with this one a little bit. I do not know what this is. Drew is just bringing right. this to me fresh. Let me make sure I read it. Uh, okay. Exactly. All right. Correct I'll get, here. I'll get Let my, me. I'll get my clarifying questions ready. All right. So it is. Uh, would you rather cut to the front of any line anywhere for the rest of your life? Or mm. have front row parking everywhere you go for the rest of your life. Hmm. So clarifying question. By cutting to the front of the line, is that just me or is it whoever I'm with? Do we all get to cut to the front of the line? I would say whoever you're with because that would apply okay. for a car as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. Every, okay. So I don't, I don't think that that gives you an unfair advantage to the opposite end of the equation there. Okay, so, yeah. That, that yeah. Kinda, let, kinda let's say, let's say you okay. and... You and you know because I'm thinking if, I, if are, I'm at like a, if I'm at a theme park or something yeah 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 I and like think, I, I can cut the line include, but I'm leaving everybody else that doesn't save me anything right, I gotta wait right. for no, let's let's yeah. include you know your you know immediate party okay oh man yeah theme theme parks definitely popped into my head I mean theme park is the place where I probably that, wait, wait in line the longest that's where the lines are yeah and honestly I, I recently have uh, experienced. Hmm. Since since COVID, there have been a lot of like drive-through Christmas light events yeah, as I well like, I feel like that I've night. had to sit in the car for so long. Mm. Um, well, wait a minute. If you're doing a drive-through thing, what, did, what does that count as? Are you cutting the line uh, in the car? <laughs> well, no, because you don't park with those. I would consider that to be a line. It's just a driving line. Okay. Interesting. But, yeah, lot, lines are definitely a thing. I will say in general... I I don't really go for the closest parking spot everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. mind walking. You know, I kind of like the exercise. So You also never drive downtown. That's true. I never so drive downtown. So would you would you go downtown more if parking were less of a concern? Is parking a part of the equation for you or is that just like, "Eh, no, I just got nothing <sighs> down there." I don't intentionally avoid downtown necessarily, but I Okay. I just don't have as many things to that I'm going there to do. Yeah. Again, Rachel and I have no social life, so we're not like <laughs> you know, going to a restaurant in the big city. You know, we're you know, just gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to like the local pizza joint. That's like you're you know, some farmer or something. Away. I mean, was I not knocking around? You're the not. You're not that. You're not that rural, bro. No, I'm really not. It's not like it's an hour to go into town no, to find a grocery not. store or something. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. COVID's really 
messing this question up for me because before that I probably would have said waiting in line, but now between like having smartphones and then like being able to like, whatever, I don't know, even if when I get a haircut, like the place I get my haircut, I've got an app and it shows me the wait times and I put my name in. So I'm only having to wait like five minutes, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just like not as big of a deal. So I would say the cutting lines just because why not? The parking, also, Dis- the Disney really doesn't, doesn't have uh, Disney doesn't have fast passes anymore. So, well, now Disney, that's a whole different scenario. <clears throat> it's a whole different scenario. But yeah. I mean, it's, and that's where that's where you'd get your money's worth if you're if you if you're choosing the cut and line one, like you're getting your money's worth at theme parks. True, because you're parking like once and then you're in the theme park all day. If so you're even parking, thing. a lot of people fly and then do buses depending True. on where you're at. True, like we're True. we're we're like twelve hours from Orlando. Yeah, but if you if this applies to like whatever vehicle you're in, your bus you could be like a first one to get up there on the bus whatever like your bus could be the just go drop you off right at the front or whatever i don't know i'm sort of applying sure okay but broadly. i mean the, the the lines are where it's at like a, if you're going to do like rise of the resistance or something uh like that without having to deal with those weird queue times fair fair i mean come on that that that's a big win however i wouldn't pick that you would pick the car I'm, one i'm picking the car one yep absolutely really i i have and i have talked to my pen friend brianna you, you uh, do brianna about you this. do hate bad parking. i hate it i that i makes sense. i once drove to washington dc which is mm. you know about two hours from here depending on the traffic um two two like one and a half to nine hours depending on traffic um it's <laughs> quite a but I, I drove to dc to see my brother's band perform and i could not find a parking spot i was getting so mad I turned right and left, drove right back to Richmond without parking. Get I was out of just here. like, dude, I was like, F it. I am not, I am so done. I'm done raging. And I just left. I was wow. not having it. I hate finding parking spots. I hate, next, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And for me, it level. does keep me from downtown. I love going to restaurants downtown. We were mm. just there uh, yesterday and it, it, it stops me from visiting because I'm like, I, I, it's not worth it for me. I hate the stress. I hate wondering okay does that sign apply to now it says between eight and five monday through monday wait no huh does that oh, mean yeah. just monday you're all week ah! you know yeah it's I'm just uh, you're it's like an equation you have to do and of course people that live in the city are like oh no it's easy all right well i've never lived in the city so it's confusing to me sorry um that's just the way it is that's the way it always will be mm-hmm. so yes absolutely for me parking for sure i would love to just never worry about finding a darn parking spot for me i park the first spot I can find regardless because I just don't want to have to deal with it. I don't care if I have to walk. I just mm. don't want to have to deal with finding a parking spot. That is an, a thing I don't want in my life. It's like cutting the grass. I don't want it in my life. It's a waste of time. Hmm. It's just, it is a waste of life in my opinion. Now, standing in line, you could say is also a waste of life, but at least the lines at Disney are interesting and sometimes entertaining. So I'll deal with that. And besides, standing in line for Disney happens, you know, a couple times in your life. Whereas parking, constantly. I mean, there's like other lines, like at the grocery store, or whatever. You're like waiting in line for like other people to bag up your groceries, and well, you know. I mean, you can still pick that stuff up. You can still order it, and you know, do the click list. I don't know. I mean, there the- are ways to avoid that theoretically, but it's not the same. Like picking out your own produce and stuff. I hate going to the groceries. I hate the grocery but- store too. This bothers me about myself. <laughs> I don't like going to the grocery store, but I don't. I, I've I've very rarely actually like ordered and then like picked up the food. You would think I like you would think I as like busy doing as that. I am, you would think my wife I, doesn't. I should order. She doesn't approve I should place of how the they order pick the and produce. I should just go and pick it up. Yeah, it's I, super easy. I love it. I don't know why I don't do it more. 
I really should, you would think. But it's just one of those things that I have trouble letting go of, if that makes sense. Mm. It's one of those weird, quirky things about myself. The I'm more things I can get other people to do for me, the better. That's a win. I'm like that with <laughs> I'm like that with some things, but other things, like with you, Drew, like mowing the grass. I could have someone else mow my grass. I should have someone else mow my grass. Well, you've got a lot of grass, bro. That's I got, like I got a lot of grass. That's a different expense time. than what I'm dealing with. And like <laughs> it even came up where like I needed to replace my lawnmower. It's not an insignificant investment for when you have, I've got, you know, I've got like a couple acres of grass, right? So it's not an insignificant amount of time. And I can't just like buy some cheap push mower. Like it needs to be like, otherwise it would take me like seven hours. Yeah. So I need to invest in like an actual piece of equipment. So I, I, I came up on this like a year, year and a half ago where it was like, okay, I could either get like a whole new lawnmower and the whole thing, or I could hire a service and I got it quoted out and all that kind of stuff. It was really expensive. But yeah. I couldn't do it. I just could not do it in my mind. I was like, I can't manage it. I can't even, it like, was like a foreign concept to me. It shouldn't, you know, I'm, I delegate and I do so many other things with the business, but with like certain things around the house, I just can't, can't let it go. I don't know what I don't it know, is. Man. I would rather, I would rather clip my nails or literally anything that's just a stupid activity than cut grass. But anyway, we're getting far off from the topic. Yeah, what was the topic? <laughs> so, so you're choosing the hypothetical of the lines. I'm choosing the lines, right? I guess. Yeah, but all right. I'm, I'm there not you go. Super passionately on one side or the other. Okay. Well, this 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 started <laughs> off as uh, Brianna's writing prompt. So, if you would like to use it as a writing prompt, go for it. Let us okay. know which one you would pick. There you go. So, there you have it. Nice. Fun hypothetical today. Good stuff. All right. Next up, Brian, we have a spend, we have a pen spotlight. We do. Pen spotlight. This is on the Twisby 580 Iris. We're not going to drone on and on about this pen because it's a model that probably many of us are already familiar with. And it's basically just a different trim. It's a different finish on an already very popular model. Um, but we just wanted to talk about it because it's very timely. And uh, yeah, it just felt like low-hanging fruit for us. So um, I have not, not seen Not like this. we want to give you low-hanging fruit. I mean, like low you, hanging fruit's good. Low hanging fruit tastes just as good as high hanging fruit. <laughs> Maybe even better. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just take your fruit and don't complain. There we um, go. So anyway, so here's your fruit. So beautiful pen. Truth be told, I have not seen this one in person myself. So I'm gonna rely well, a Brian, more on well, Brian. It's lovely. You, yes, I'm very excited about it. This is one. So like. Rachel is a big Twisby fan. She has many Ecos, several 580s, no 580 ALRs. She does not like the grip on the 580 ALR. I do. I like it all. There's no wrong way to Twisby uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And so normally we'll have like, okay, I'll get this one. You take that one, you know, just so we don't have like duplicates of everything. Um, But this one, we're each going to keep one of these because we, <laughs> we both like it and we might we might both end up with abroad as well because this really cool. this is absolutely lovely i have the vac 700 iris yeah i've got that one i like it a lot the, yeah what i was curious about was the clip because the vac 700 has got that like matte finish to the clip. yeah yeah so i was curious if they were going to do that i didn't know if it was because of the rainbow that did that or whatever but no well no the vac's always had that sort of clip yeah yeah so I didn't know if like, I don't know, I guess I was more surprised when that had it because 
I didn't know you could do that finish on a matte clip like that. Yeah, I was surprised. So yeah, I guess I shouldn't have expected this one to have a matte clip because it's not actually related to the the iris finish. But I guess I was just curious. So, but it's not it's not a not a matte clip. It's a shiny clip. No, and you know I really didn't want to like this. I, I wanted the, <laughs> I wanted to like the vac more, but really, you like this one I'm, more? You think? Okay, I like the fact that the VAC 700 has a larger nib, which means a larger True. surface area of this beautiful two-tone design. True. However, I, I, it really is the clip. The clip makes it so much better mm. just aesthetically than the VAC. The, I don't know why the clip is like that on the VAC. It just breaks it up. Mm. I, I, I'm very... I appreciate unity when it comes to mm. balance and aesthetics. I don't want one thing being different than the other. If you're going to have a, a thing, have it, you know, reciprocated somewhere else you don't, you, so that everything you don't, is balanced. <laughs> you don't support power clashing? Oh, no, not if it's just one thing. Like, I, I'm like all for an obnoxious. It's like an accent. I'm, I'm all for an obnoxious pen, but. Uh, it's got to be uniformly obnoxious? Yeah, otherwise it looks like an accident. Mm. And. That if, if if the Vac 700 put that same textured metal on the trim ring by the knob, I would be perfectly happy. Because it would balance it out. That would be fine. Yep, that would be fine. All right. This though, it's it's uniform, it's clean, and man, this this finish is just astonishing. It's so beautiful. All right. Well, Ugh, let the record show. It. Drew is anti Vac 700 Iris. Uh, Were you? Brian has the last week. Anytime I say anything <laughs> negative, he's like, oh, Drew is anti this. God. Yes. I'm trying to cancel Drew. Is what's happening. <laughs> I'm being canceled. Only, only around really unimportant things. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. No, I'm with you. I think, it, you know, it's different strokes, right? I think the, the, the Vax 700R is what it is. I don't think that it's It's beautiful. I think it's a it's a different enough pen from the the 580 where it's kind of like when the ALR had the Prussian blue and then came out with the navy. They're both so good looking. It's tough to call, you know make a call between the two of them. Yeah, and in fact, there are going to be plenty of people that buy both mm. ALRs and both of the irises as well and be perfectly happy. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a good looking pen. I like it. So yeah, I I approve. Uh, what I you know, the only thing about this is, you know, the 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 580 normally has a replaceable nib unit that you can do. They do not have replaceable iris nib units. Right, right. So just be thoughtful about which nib size you want to get because you're going to be with it for a while. So that's the only yep. thing with these. Normally, you'd have a little more of an option, but I guess you technically have an option to put an iris nib on a different 580 if you would sure. be so inclined. That's always a thought. One little bit of good news is that we have had the VAC 700R Iris for quite some time, and we have not had any customers come back with any issue about the finish. Yeah, it's so very, it very is, durable. Yeah. It is very durable. So if you were curious as to how that would hold up, maybe waiting, wait no longer. It, it, it's fine. It's yeah. durable. And trust me, if it were an issue, we would have heard about it by now for yeah. sure. So Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, oh. ma'am. All right, well, if y'all got any questions about it, let us know. But as of today when we're publishing this, we should have them available. If we happen to be out of any of them, just sign up on the email notification and uh, you'll be notified as soon as we get it back. All right, that's all we got for the Iris. Drew, let's move on to what's happening. All right. Um, I, I, I kind of have a lot, but not a lot. So 
uh, yesterday, okay. like, like this weekend, I don't think a whole lot happened this weekend unless I'm totally forgetting something. But it's possible. Uh, yesterday, I took a day off from work and my wife and I just spent the day together doing, you know, random stuff. We didn't have a plan, but it ended up being a really good use of the day off and we really hmm. um, optimized it. So uh, took the kid to daycare. And then I came back and we went to uh, we went downtown to a place I really wanted to eat called Capital Waffle uh, Shop. And all they sell are waffles, dude. Just waffles. Sounds like you're going to place. They like we're talking big Belgian waffles with all sorts of random crap on there. They had savory waffles, sweet waffles. They had like it, it was it was like Michael Scott's pretzel of waffles. Like. <laughs> It was insane, and it was so good. Little tiny place, like maybe only six tables. So definitely a good place for a weekday visit, a nice you know Monday visit. Nice. So that was fantastic. I got a savory one. I got just uh, chicken and gravy and eggs on my waffle, Whoa. and oh my god! Wow, dude, it was killer. It was so so amazing. It That'd made be good because so... like the all the little pockets in the waffle would catch all the gravy. Oh yeah. And... Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to start the day. Now, now, when you eat your waffles, do you just like cut into it willy nilly or do you feel like you got to go with like the grid? Because I, um, I usually like, I'm talking like a Eggo classic, like Eggo waffle. That is a good question. I would good always, question. I would like eat it like down the line. I couldn't so just like when, bite into it like an animal. 100%. That is a valid question. And you know, I am particular about the way I eat lot you of things. Are. So yes. Uh, you care a lot I'm about at, unimportant things. So When I'm in... <laughs> When I'm at Waffle House, I do that. So if that's okay. just syrup and butter. Uh, when I'm at Waffle House, I will eat one quarter at a time. I will cut that quarter off and then, you know, bisect that quarter and eat that and then move on to another quarter that I do cut along the lines. Okay. However, Waffle House does have a Waffle House logo in the center, so the lines do end prematurely. Okay. You have okay. to kind of find your way after that. Mm. But these were really thick, and they just had a ton of crap on them, so you couldn't even see where the lines were. Okay. So yeah. I didn't worry about it. Also, the one complaint I do have was there was only plastic silverware here, Brian. So, oh, man. I had like a, I had like a Stanley in the warehouse trying to eat steak moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the knife was all bendy and floppy, but anyway, I got it done. I, I'm not letting plastic crappy plastic silverware stop me from putting all that in my face. It sounds like knowing this now, next time you should just bring your own silverware, and then you can be you can be that guy. Yep, or just <laughs> might dump it down into my gullet. There you go. So after that, I was feeling a bit full, needless to say. <laughs> so like we were we were about uh, four was this like a breakfast of, thing or was this a lunch oh yeah that was breakfast that was oh breakfast God. boy that's a, oh that's yeah a, that's a lot for breakfast oh it was hefty that's like go out work on the farm kind of a yes breakfast. so mm. I I felt the need to walk we were about four <laughs> blocks away from the river and the canal so we walked a little south to well, I think it's south yeah um to the uh, Kanawha Canal which runs you know at that point parallel to the james river so we walked along there for a couple blocks and made it to brown's island which is where they have the pride fest and the river rock festival it's Mm -hmm. like a you know venue around here so we went and you know looked at the river and stuff and kind of just got rid of a few (laughs) calories at least yeah (laughs) and then walked back up because richmond is at the James River fall line, it is kind of a slant down to the river. So walking back up was a little like, okay, we're hot and tired now. <laughs> yeah. But Shannon found a 7-Eleven and 
it was 7-Eleven, so she got a free Slurpee. So that was kind of a nice. very magical moment for her. So after that, we actually um, went back to the house, let the dog out or the puppy out because he's still a wee man and needs needs to be let out, mm-hmm. and then took a check to our wedding venue, Brian, that we got married at at 2008 because we had um, friends who were going to get like officially married but then COVID happened. They ended up still getting married, but they didn't have the celebration. So they basically gifted us their photographer. And it is a nice photographer. Hmm. So we get a wedding picture redo just through the good nature of our friends. And That's cool. At the place where you got married. And, and if you'll remember, you were there. Our wedding photographer was like a newspaper photographer. He was not, he was what we could afford. And hmm. We don't have any of our wedding pictures hanging in our house because everybody was squinting cause, and blown out because it was just not, it was a, very, not a good day. For it was a very bright, sunny day outside. Yeah, yeah, so we don't have any good wedding pictures. So this is really exciting. So we dropped, we were, get, we're getting the new pictures taken at the wedding venue that we got married at. So that, that's really exciting and pleasant. So we're going to get that done in September. So we dropped the deposit off with them. So nice. that's all done. And then we went to Home Depot, did some appliance shopping because I am... Totally fed up with my washer and dryer situation. Mm. I've fixed the heating element for the dryer, a weird uh, chip issue, a sensor, probably one other thing. And that thing's still making weird noises. And then mm. the washer, though, that thing can't even go through a full cycle without producing an error code. Um, oh, gosh. It's the, uh, it's the drum. It's not, it's not leveling properly. I took out all of the uh, bars that level it. I bought some additional washers, like zip-tied the heck out of them to tighten them up yeah it it you know i've followed so many tutorials trying to reinforce the thing it works for a little while but then it starts wobbling again so we're just mm-hmm. done with it so it's it's been over 10 years so we're gonna go ahead and move on from there so yeah did that mm-hmm. and then we felt we felt like we deserved a sushi snack so we took a break and went to get some sushi after that so that was also pleasant wow and then finally she needed to get some character shoes which are like dance shoes for mm-hmm. theater. Um, they're just mm-hmm. like boring tan shoes that you can wear. They've got like kind of suede bottoms so that they don't slip, but they can also slide, I guess, a little bit. But anyway. Yeah, it gives you like just the right texture when you're like dancing yeah, yeah. on so stage. She, need, she needed yeah. some more of those. So she went to this mm-hmm. dance supply place and there was a hardware store right next door. So I went in there because I needed some spackle. And, Conveniently located, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, let me just do that. So I went in there and I also got a uh, GFCI outlet because guess what? Mm-hmm. So the lights that I was having an issue with that we discussed a yes. couple episodes ago were on the front of my house, obviously. Okay. I went everywhere in the house looking for this darn outlet and everything, they all, they all have actually lights on them. You know, all, yeah, I yeah. tested all of them. I'm like, which one is it? Went and looked at my breaker box again and everything's fine. And then the next day I was letting the dogs out and I saw, uh, I missed it because it's in this plastic outdoor weather, you know, proof thing. Yep. And I didn't, I don't see it ever. But then through the clear frosted thing, I saw a little red light. I'm like, oh, that's you. the culprit. That's the culprit. On the opposite end of the house. Yep. This is on the back of the home as opposed to the front of the home. And then mm-hmm. that was it. And the uh, reset button is not working. So I need to replace the outlet. So, ah, uh, okay. yep. So it's totally done, but I, I, we found it and presumably you were right. So thank you very much. Oh, I there am right. Go. There's no question about it. <laughs> I am right. Yeah. 
no, that awesome. probably that probably is it. So um, mm -hmm. I just need to kind of uh, you know replace that. So got the outlet, did that, and nice. then went home and made some meat pies. I, I found a kind of quick and easy meat pie recipe where instead of making your own uh, dough, you use like a pre-made Pillsbury crescent roll dough and just remove all of the perforations from it and then yes. fold that into little meat pockets. And yes, dang, if that wasn't like really good. Yeah. Shannon, whip, Shannon whipped up some gravy and yeah, man, we had ourselves some pub food that night. That's awesome. Man, y'all. Yeah. Y'all ate really well. <laughs> Sounds I, awesome. Yeah, it was a pretty awesome day overall. Mm. And then we also had some, we also had uh, like some, before we went to get Archer, we just sat on the love sack and she took a nap and I played video games for like an hour. Nice. And it was, it was our first like video game nap sack situation and it worked just fine. It was the nap sack. That's like the perfect name for that thing. I mean, thing. it really is. So it was a pretty perfect day, man. Pretty That's perfect. awesome. And the weather was great too. It was. Yeah. It was it's fantastic. Like, it's like, 15 20 degrees hotter today like if you dig in today off instead you would have been miserable yeah you wouldn't have eaten a giant waffle and then go walk down by the river you'd have been like <laughs> passed out and, <laughs> and fallen into the river it's been so hot <laughs> yeah it really worked out great it really worked out great nice that's awesome man yeah it was fantastic man i'm really hungry now Jeez. um Dude, those those waffles were so good yeah well i'm glad you got some of that stuff done i got a bunch of random stuff to talk about myself too yeah um got my sinkhole fully repaired all good right. to go. even had joseph help me uh patch it a little bit you know not the, i did all the concrete and stuff but i had to do the asphalt part of it um so yeah that was super easy seems really intimidating but basically if you need to patch asphalt you buy blacktop asphalt patch it comes in a bag and it's like i don't know it's kind of an interesting texture it's it's i don't know how to explain it but it's like if you like melted chocolate and then threw a bunch of rocks in it, it kind of feels like that. So it's like this, like, kine like kinetic sand. It's kind of like a kinetic sand if it was like made of tar and rocks, because that's what it is. So you just dump it out of the bag and you pack it down with a tamper and make it relatively smooth. And then I let it cure for a couple of days. And then I put some like um, now the stuff you buy it like in a jar. It's like to patch like smaller like cracks and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put that over top of that to smooth it out. And now. I mean, it's like black and everything else is kind of gray around it. So it stands out because it looks new and fresh, but right. like, you know, did, did, leveling, did Ellie make a sign? Lines. No, no. I've got, I've got some like orange cones Aww. that I've got. That Cause I she had, she had made a sign, right? Yeah, she did. When she, the hole was there. <laughs> she did. She put she, she, she used some sidewalk chalk signs for me. Nice. Um, so that was cool. Got that all taken care of. That feels good. Um, I'm not going to say I was inspired by your power washing story but it was just coincidental that i also needed to power wash my own house so uh, watch out that. for those lights did that yep i was thinking about you the whole time <laughs> haven't had any uh haven't had any breakers pop on me though so thank goodness um but uh you know for those of you who don't know i have a i have a professional background in power washing um that's what i was doing when i started making pens and that was part of the part of the pre-origin story of Goulet Pens was... Yeah, I think I you touched on houses. it last time when we were talking about my situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I've power washed hundreds of houses. Um, and I did, like, deck sealing and stuff like that through college, so I've quite a bit of experience. So it's kind of like riding a bike. Um, but my dad, he he had a power washing business for... You know, he he started it right before I graduated college. We worked in it together when I graduated. 
And then he kept doing it after I started Goulet Pen. So he, he power washed houses for 17 years, I think. Yeah. So long time. Started when he was like 49 or 50. So yeah, that was like his second career, basically. Um, he's a tough old dude. But uh, yeah, so um, he, you know, because we were crazy busy with the business and he had a power washing thing. He washed our house for a little while there, but now he's retired. So I don't know, I got, got a power washer and I wash it myself now. And it's just one of those things. I'm like, yeah, I just kind of enjoy doing it. But what was different about it this time is um, Joseph has some like Lego sets that he was uh, interested in getting. And we're not anywhere near birthday or Christmas time or anything like that. So for literally years, I've been working on my kids of like, well, you guys can earn money. We have jobs, we have chores, we have da, 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 and lists and all that. And a billion mentions of different opportunities to have them help things. And they're like, eh. Oh um, yeah, that's me. That's Joseph, me right now. That's where yeah. I'm at right now. So I'm. I, this is a message of hope. So Joseph is 12 and a half now, and he does not. He's not an outdoor kid. He's you know he loves coding. He loves video games. He loves all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's mine too. But by golly, the kid surprises me sometimes. He approached me out of the blue and was like, "Hey, uh, he's like I really want this Lego set, and I need to earn twenty five dollars more to get it." And I asked mom for things to do. Uh, and she said that there might be outside work. He's like, I know outside work can pay well sometimes because I, you know, it's hard work and it's dirty. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, you can't just like do half of it and then leave it there. You got to like finish it out. So I was like, yeah, actually. So I was like, <clears throat> I wasn't like really planning on washing the house right at that moment, but it was like, well, I like, I need to power wash the house. Cause I was trying to think of like, okay, what can I do? I don't want to like fell trees and like, put him in danger or anything so it's like okay what what could i have him do that i like think he might enjoy and be able to see through it's still work but it's not you know absolutely grueling where it'll be like he'll be complaining and stuff all the time so i was like okay power washing i was like i could probably probably swing that and i could you know i ended up doing most of it of course but i can have him rinse and i can have him help stuff run and get me things you know um but you know honestly he had such a great attitude about it he stuck it out there with me for like over two hours Wow. Working out there. And it was nice. Like we, we did it after dinner time. So we like kind of did it until the sun came down. So it like wasn't blaring hot sun, you know, it cleaned, cleaned up nicely, but he was out there. He stuck with me. He was, and it just like was one of those things where like I for years have dreamed of like all these shenanigans that I do outside. I'm like, man, I hope one day my kids express enough interest. Like I could like force them and drag them out there, but that's, I mean, every now and then I might do that, but let's be real for one, that wouldn't be very fun for them. And for two, it would be very fun for me because then I would just be no. like hearing them complain and all this kind of stuff the whole time. So like the fact that he was motivated to be out there with me and then I was like trying to make it fun and interesting and teach him some stuff too. Um, and it was just a really, really cool kind of a bonding thing that he and I got to do that, you know, kind of he prompted, which is really just gratifying in my soul. So that That's was cool. awesome. Yeah. That was and really like, fantastic. And the fact that like I used to power wash like with my dad. So it's, it's weird. It's not, it's weirdly like one of these things that like probably most people don't share like a bonding experience over washing a house, but you just never for, know. for those, us specifically those sorts of things. Yeah. It's like, it's almost yeah, like they a, manifest in a lot of different ways. Sometimes yeah. it surprises us where we don't even expect a memory to be tied to our parents until we experience it with somebody else. And then it's like, boom. I mean, I remember my dad being there with me when we were like, we had a, a sewage like leak in our yard and we had to go dig it out. And it was like October it was 40 degrees. Well, I hope you don't have to share me. that with Joseph. I hope not. But you know, if that happens to him on his first house, you bet I'm going to be over there with a shovel, helping him dig out his sewage. Like 
So like I have memories like that with my dad. Like I remember being, I think I was 10 and I was learning how to sweat copper pipe like on a water pipe or something underneath the house. And like, I did not want to be in the crawl space. And I was like, I think that my dad really did drag me along, but he was like, this is a skill that you're going to need. And I want to teach it to you. And I was like, I remember reluctantly going along with it, but by golly, when we had our first house, I needed to replace our hot water heater. We had no money, you know, so I was barely able to buy the hot water heater. And I'll be darned if I didn't sweat that copper pipe remembering learning that at that young age and i was like dag on it dad you were right so i think about that kind of stuff and i like i'm not gonna say like i i'm on my kids about that kind of stuff but you know i definitely provide plenty of opportunity for them to join along and that kind of stuff so that was cool for him to actually i think that's the right way to go about it you want to allow the opportunity but like you Mm -hmm. said earlier if you force it it, that that doesn't work like you know that doesn't work with kids exactly exactly you have to kind of like place it in front of them and see if they grab it. Yeah. And then to continue on, um, you know, Joseph has, I don't know, he's been kind of in a in mood to, I guess, like organize his room a little better. He's, his, what? Whole, his whole room is Legos. Like that's oh, yeah. everything he's got in there is Legos and clothes. He has like one dresser with clothes, literally everything else is Lego. So um, yeah, he like, you know, basically has had, you know, like dressers and stuff and just like Lego things that he's built, just like piled on top, you know, but he was like, he actually like took some apart. He's breaking things out by color. I'm like, where is this coming from? You know, but at some point, you know, you get older and you want to, you get motivated and you figure out how to do that stuff. He's got the patience. So I have to to wait another four years until Archer does that. Maybe. I mean, (laughs) Ellie's 10 right now. And I, she's not on the same trajectory. I don't know know if she'll ever get, she'll ever get there for that anyway different kid but um yeah but then uh he wanted to like do some shelves he was like i've got some lego creations that i would like to display i was like okay cool and so you know rachel was like oh we can get some shelves and i was like no let's build some shelves i was like it's something that joseph and i can do together you know i love doing woodworking it was like another thing that's like yeah joseph let's like learn it so i I, like gave him the tape measure i had him take some measurements and all this kind of stuff we designed a shelf so um We've finished the shelf. I haven't hung it yet, but basically we're doing a, um, a natural edge like wood shelf that is going to be a floating shelf. And I like, you know, worked with him on it. I was having him sand it and we picked out the wood and all this kind of stuff. And it was just like a cool, like, okay, like, wow, I'm able to sneak in some little stuff here and there. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. And I'm also realizing like, I'm trying not to be overly excited because he's getting into it. I'm like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, whew, I got to like tone it back. I can't do a deep dive. Like pencast answer on like every step of the process because i'm just gonna like overwhelm the kid scare him away i gotta like gauge his reaction you know and like let let him do the more interesting parts of it and uh that kind of stuff and like you know whenever we're working outside or whatever i always keep like lollipops and stuff like little dumb dumb tootsie pop kind of things because the kids like they're just you know to keep them engaged i found if they have lollipops are more inclined to want to go out there and i'm not above bribery but uh, oh no you do that with every order that goes out of the goulet paint company absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah so that's been really really cool it's been an interesting interesting thing like this this summer feels a little different with the kids they're i can tell how much how they're maturing and uh it's still they're still kids and it's still not as many socks everywhere, I will say, but <gasps> also not putting on many socks these days because <laughs> they have no they have no responsibilities. They have nowhere to be. Right? They're not putting. They're not even putting on socks. Oh yeah, no. Ar- like wearing Archer, pajamas like, all day. You know. No, Ar- when the summer comes, Archer's pretty much exclusively Crocs. Like, there you go. That. Yep. Not a bad way to go. 
Um, and then I don't know what it was. I guess we were really productive last week, Rachel and I. You know, we've had, I don't know if you have the situation, Drew, but we've been together a long time. We've moved many, many times. We've had various kid clothes and decorations for different seasons of the house. But we've like collected all these different types of bins, like large, like tote bin type things, like those 20 gallon, you know, oh, t- yeah. tubs. But they're all different brands and different lid shapes and none of oh, them yeah. fit into each other and all this kind of stuff. And it was really frustrating. We, we, we literally still had Christmas decorations in our bedroom next to like the door that goes to our little side attic because we just <clears throat> didn't have the right bins and just the stuff couldn't fit in there. And we wanted like clear bins so that we could see what the heck is in there. And they had some bins on sale. So we went and bought some like coordinated clear bins and took that stuff and like organized it. It ended up being this whole thing where we went through like our guest closet and all these things and just like organized the stuff that has just never really had intentional organization. And uh, that was most of our weekend was like dealing with, we have like all these old pillows and stuff that we've just collected over the years from like when the kids would get sick a whole bunch of times. It was like, well, let me buy a bunch of cheap pillows so that we can like yep. deal with that. Now I'm like, all right, I've got like five of these like $3 pillows. Like, what do I do with these things? Okay, I'm going to like bin them up or I'm going to donate or I'm going to do whatever, you know? So just like going through stuff like that. It was a lot of work, but we definitely did it. And then we went through like our medicine cabinet and we looked because we had all this medicine that was like stuff that we bought like pre-COVID and all that. And we looked at the expiration dates and it was like, oh, there's a lot of this that needs to be replaced now. And we we replaced probably like 90% of our medicine because we have like cold medicine from four years ago and just stuff like that. Yeah, that's how time. it goes with the medicine cabinet because you don't rep- you don't do it often. So when you do, it's like you, let me throw away. Yeah, most it was like of my stuff. the whole the whole project was like pulling a thread on a sweater, and you're like, oh, yeah. wait a minute, what's the expiration date? Oh, what about this? Oh my gosh. Okay, what what's this back here? What? Oh my gosh. Where what is it? a nebulizer? Do our kids even need a nebulizer anymore? Like, right. Joseph had croup as a toddler. And oh, I'm a like, glass vial of field morphine. Right. How'd that get there? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so we're like pulling the stuff out. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay, so we went through and did a lot of that stuff. But it was really, really good. Went through a whole lot of that. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 not where we want it to be yet, but we made a good dent. Oh, you made progress. That counts. That we counts. did. But it's like, that was like most of our weekend. So it's like, ugh, like it feels good to have gotten some of that done. I like organized some of the junk in the garage and all that. And it's like, it feels better, but like I really didn't relax at all on the weekends. Um, and so, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. It's like one of these days, one of these days I'll relax. Friday afternoon, buddy. Friday afternoon. Yeah, we'll see. I already have something scheduled. Come on, man. Mental health day. I know. We have a mental health half day scheduled on Friday. Practice what you preach, bro. What did I have? I had something that I had to put in there. I can't remember what it was. Don't be a hypocrite. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, yeah, so that was cool. And then last thing, um, finally closed the chapter on the spare tire. Spare tire. Thing. <laughs> yep. So I ended up, you know, I ended up making my own spare tire mount for the trailer. Truth be told, had I realized these things already exist and I could, I just didn't, I didn't didn't know the right place to look for it, but I found one at Tractor Supply Company that was basically exactly what I ended up building. Ah. That probably cost like $20 more than it did for me to just make my own. But in theory, it was easy for me to make my own, but then like I needed the right bolts and I needed the right, the other like accessory things to actually mount the tire to the thing that I made that I ended up 
spending half of what I would have spent anyway. And I was like, okay, well, in retrospect, I should have just bought it. But I really just wanted to practice the welding anyway. So I ended up making my own metal welded tire mount onto the trailer. And it turned out pretty much exactly like I envisioned it. Now I have a very solid spare tire mount on my trailer with two new tires plus a spare. I am not concerned about a blowout on that trailer anymore for the time being. <laughs> That's one of those things you put so much effort into. You're almost disappointed when it never happens again. Cause it's well, like, that's just it. Yeah. <laughs> this whole trailer, it's like Rachel does not care about it at all. She cares nothing about this trailer. I've done so much work on this trailer. I probably could have just bought a new trailer at this point. Cause I've replaced <laughs> almost everything on this trailer at this point. I've, like sanded and refinished the whole thing. I replaced all the deck boards. I rewelded the deck. I replaced all the tires and all this. I'm like, man, if only I'd known, but whatever, it's fine. It's still good. It's super still trailer now. It's, it's all new and it's all stealth out too. I painted it like matte black. Stealth so out trailer. I've got this like Batman, you know, trailer. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I had to paint it anyway. And I was like, if I try and make it glossy, like I'm never going to get like a smooth looking finish on this thing. I was like, if I just go matte, then it's like, whatever. Everybody's going to be disappointed you didn't make it blue, Brian. I mean, yeah, I guess. Blue black trailer. Just, black just hides everything, so it was easy. But, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, finish that. So, getting some good good welding practice in there, enjoying that. I now own, like, five angle grinders. That's become my latest collection because it's really annoying when you're in the middle of trying to grind something metal. Metal, metal working, it's really dirty. It's gratifying when it's done, but it's not as... To me, it's not as enjoyable as a process as woodworking. It's gratifying like when it's done because it feels very permanent. Mm-hmm. So I do like that aspect of it. But everything about working it is more dangerous. It's dirtier. It's more hazardous. It's harder. It's just not as, to me, it's not as gratifying. Probably because I'm not like set up for it. So I'm having to like grind stuff like in my yard because I don't have like a garage to work on this stuff. Yeah. So I'm like having to kind of it's, make It do. just sounds overall more violent. It whereas is. whereas woodworking is more it, woodworking it, is more romantic there's it's more, more fin- like finesse yeah it's more personal yeah well you feel like you're you feel like with metalworking you're like fighting it you're like submitting it to your will woodworking you feel like you're more in harmony with it i think yeah and while metal does exist in the earth what you're working with doesn't isn't a very like outwardly natural material whereas wood is like you feel like you're connecting with something from the earth yeah. in a way. So yeah. it's it's a totally different vibe. I, even without yeah. I understand kind of where you're coming from even without having done either of these yeah, things. Yeah, it is pretty it is pretty interesting. So it's it's interesting having a woodworking background and then working with metal. But mm-hmm. you know, I would never make a spare tire mount for a trailer out of wood. So like it definitely has its place. But for sure. uh, I don't know. I'm really enjoying the process. But yeah, I definitely find like you know, when I need to change the paper, like the sanding stuff and the you know the the grinding discs and all that kind of stuff it's like you need to go through several of those with each step of the process so i find like having several anchor grinders like with each of those set up on it already it goes much faster than like having to change out the head on it every so, so now i have a bunch of angle grinders and i'm just like this just never ends does it i'm gonna do this the rest <laughs> of my life i'm gonna end up with 30 sheds with every new hobby and obsession that i get into and I'm just, I'm going to burden Rachel with all this. Cause uh, let's be real. I'm probably going to go before she will, because I don't sleep and I work all the time. <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm just going to leave her with, with 30 sheds filled with. You could make it, make a l- really swanky container house in the field. Oh yeah. I'll end up building my own, probably like post and beam, like farmhouse for all this stuff. 
or uh, whatever. I don't know. I laugh at myself, but yet I still keep doing it. So what are you going to do? I enjoy it. <laughs> All right. That's enough for me for my turkey hammock zone. Um, got a couple of company updates and then we'll wrap this thing up for y'all. All right. Well, we do have a video that we were planning to launch this week. Probably not going to get to until next week. So it's a little bit of a preview. Yeah. But if you enjoyed either of Drew's two previous videos, the pens under 25 or pens under 45, you're now going to have a video of top $60 pens. So a little bit, a little bit uh, next level there. So look forward to that one coming out probably next week. Um, also did a favorite team pens video last week. Seems to be going over really well. Thank you everybody on the team for that. It's not everybody on our team, just a few people, but uh, always nice to get some different perspectives besides from our just flapping our jaws on this pen cast. We also have a <laughs> corresponding shopping guide. If you go to mm -hmm. our website and uh, look under shopping guides, there's a staff picks section now that includes all the uh, uh, pens that we mentioned in that video. But also we kind of got together Rachel and everybody and said like what else do we think is really cool that we'd like to kind of include as our personal favorite so you'll see accessories in there uh, things that aren't necessarily in, on the video that we wanted to put on that page so you can check that out as well perfect um, we also sliced out um, I don't remember what what pencast episode it was but it was one where we showed you all um, how we pull and pack orders so that was a uh, pretty popular when we did it in the pencast so we made it its own video so if you're curious to kind of revisit that or um, wanted to see that outside of the context of a lengthy pen cast. We now have that as, as its own thing. So you can check that out. And then, uh, you know, just a, not a video related thing, but we are going to be closed as we're launching this on Friday, the whatever day it is. Um, we're doing a mental health half day. So we're shutting down the office and everybody's taking a half day. And Drew, I think you're going to be watching Thor, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes. Awesome. That is how I'm going to relax. Awesome. I go to the, I go to the, dine-in movie theater i've done this with batman dune dr strange and now thor i'll take my mental health half day i'll go to cinebistro <laughs> have a bread pudding and a coffee and i pick the third from the front brian because in the front row that's on the floor the seat to the far left isn't connected to another seat it's just all on its own so i do that Ooh, seat so i can nice. be totally by myself wow. not like anybody else is in the theater anyway like 2 p.m on a friday right. but still i like it it's my thing it's it's zen for me, and awesome. I, I value it greatly. There you go. That's awesome, man. Love and thunder. Love and thunder. I literally didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, I I hear about these things now, like, after they're already, like, box office hits. I don't keep up with movies. That's actually pretty impressive. I feel like at this point it takes kind of effort to avoid Marvel stuff. It's so everywhere now. I just don't see or watch anything. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Unless it's displayed in my woods or on a shed or a trailer, <laughs> I'm probably not going to see it. I'm surprised my kids don't ask me about it. My kids watch things, I guess. I my know. kids watch things, I guess. I don't really know. I mostly ignore them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. My goodness. No, you know plenty of what they do. You know what they're into. No, Rachel makes fun of me for how much I will not tolerate commercials and advertisements anymore. Like, of Literally of all the things in my life that I could spend my time doing, watching an advertisement for something is the bottom thing on my list. So like, I don't care whatever streaming service or whatever thing, like I will pay whatever premium needs to, to not watch those ads. Dude, that's exactly, you're describing exactly how I feel about cutting the grass or looking for a parking spot. Like I have no tolerance 
for things okay. now now no yeah we different definitions it, but, it's but in I, terms of the feeling of like you're just sort right of you, you were just yeah. you were just robbing me of yeah. precious lifetime you know yeah. and i and i will not permit that like that that's exactly how i feel with other elements in my life there's got to be some elements you just choose to just i'm not going to let this take my time yeah there, there then there's a price there is a price to be paid for that yeah yeah so like i would rather like mow my own lawn and not pay somebody for that so that I don't have to watch ads on a stream. Thing, <laughs> right, like, there you whatever, go. Yeah, you know? it's all different, but yeah. same. To each their own, right? Yep. Anyway, that's all we got. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Well, thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions. Give us hypothetical ideas. Whatever you want to do. You know how this thing works at this point. Definitely check out gulepens.com for fountain pen, ink, paper needs, all that good stuff. You can subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram channel, whatever. Leave us comments, leave us likes, shares, all that kind of stuff. Any engagement you have only helps more people to find our stuff. Um, if you want to email us, if you're an audio listener especially, you can email us at pencast at gulepens.com. And I have a random fun fact for you, Drew. I also have a random Drew. fun fact, but I'll let you go first. Oh, well, you go first. We'll end on mine. All right. I want, I want to do another turkey hammock test. Ooh. Just to see if, it, like, at this okay. point, we've already, Brian has already said, leave a comment, subscribe, like. So a lot of people have clicked off at this point. Okay. You know the metrics. You see the drop off that happens at the end of the videos. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to share with you a definition that you can take into your life. And this is, this is a precious thing passed down many generations of my family. Oh, boy. Meaning probably two. If you're wearing a sock and you've got a dangly part <laughs> off your like, toes. Like the sock has slid down your ankle. Right, and you've got, and you've got extra some floppage. Sock at the, at the yeah, tail. you've got extra sock. That floppy part is called a winky. <laughs> All right, so you can take that, and that if you a, that is a brown fa- you, brown family exclusive there, <laughs> absolutely. And if you take if you put uh, sh- uh, put winky in the uh, comments if you've listened this far. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but it doesn't have a name, Brian. Like we've all experienced that. Yeah, of course. Why it, it, we should have some like oh gosh I got a winky you know it it's a, we need to sometimes we need to refer to this phenomenon this sock phenomenon so uh, <laughs> now I have empowered you there you go to actually are you are you give gifting this, that gifting that to the community for them to share now. in their yes, own absolutely. lives absolutely absolutely enjoy go. take it how distribute it how generous of you it's a free fair use there you go yeah there you go I'm curious if anybody else just whether that's a thing somewhere in your family just like adopted it from some obscure place no and somebody else, somebody else also knows it or if it truly is like you just made it up and now this is going to be like what it's going to be no what, what's now. more likely to happen is somebody from you know i i don't know the denmark is going to be like oh that's really offensive over here actually that's you can't say winky <laughs> over here that's a, that's a racial slavery you just <laughs> offended our nation right seriously i'm sorry I'm not aware of that being the case with that particular. Oh no, never am. Never, never are. But But, uh, it is interesting. I'm curious if anybody else here, or if anybody else has a name for that thing, Winky. Um, There you go. That's your gift. But uh, you go ahead. What's yours, Brian? So my random fact has nothing to do with that at all. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, So Lucille Randon from France is the current oldest living person on Earth, at over 118 years old, and and some months. That's what I mean by over 118. <clears throat> so my fact, at the time that she was born, which was in 1904, by the way, there was a completely, at the time that she was born, there was a completely different set of humans on the planet. So think about that. So she 
and every other oldest living person at any given time is literally the only human to have ever lived with both of these sets of humans at the same time. So at the moment she was born, there was a whole different set of humans. And then at the moment right now, a whole different set of humans. She's the only person to have lived with both. Isn't that crazy to think about? That is absolutely bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> also, I can't believe we didn't bring this up, Drew. Did you see the James Webb telescope image? I it was did. Just announced. I love that. I showed it. I showed it to Archer. How did we not bring like, that hey. up earlier? I was That's like, so hey, cool. Archer, what do you think these are? He's like, stars? Like, no. Galaxies. These are galaxies. He was like, <gasps> I discovered, I discovered that. It was like 11 o'clock at night and Rachel was like playing Animal Crossing or something. And I'm like watching, you know, the president's like announcement of it or whatever. And I'm like, what? These are like 13 billion years ago, whatever. And I was like, hey, Rachel, yeah. you got to see this thing. And Rachel was like, kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And then it reached that point with her where she was like, nope, too much. Can't deal with it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm, shut well, it off. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, the deep field image from the Hubble isn't vastly unlike this one. Right, right. Um, this one's just like greater clarity, but... We've taken some trippy pictures before, like that. Oh yeah, have yeah, like the the deep field image. I think has more galaxies in it, but I don't yeah, know, but, the one I but saw that one took like years to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah like the one HDR I saw was image. This one was just like either. click. <laughs> yeah, it was their first one, so yeah. it's only going to get more insane. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're going to discover all kinds of ridiculousness. We don't even know what we're going to discover yet. And then I watched like another video about like how they had to polish the mirror in order to get it. So that mirror, this is so random. That mirror, they had to, in order to get the level of clarity that they need, they literally can't even have it at like whatever room temperature or space temperature. They have to cool the mirror down to what negative 380 degrees Fahrenheit because that's the, for whatever stability purposes or whatever it is, that's the level of clarity that they need because apparently the heat, like all things have heat, have a natural heat from them, just from the sun and stuff bouncing off of it. So the heat just from any telescope just from it existing where sunlight is, will impact the clarity of the image. So they have to cool it down to that level to get the level of clarity that we're talking about here. But they were talking about they need the level of polishing that they need in order to get the clarity on the James Webb telescope, how flat those mirrors have to be at that negative 380 degrees. They said it was equivalent to, I forget the exact term it is, but it was like the equivalent of if you had a mirror that stretched across the entire Atlantic Ocean, you could only have the tolerance that was no more than uh, three quarters of an inch across the entire Atlantic Ocean. That's how flat this mirror has to be. But they said that you can't just polish it at room temperature and then cool the mirror because just the natural cooling process will cause imperfections to cause the mirror to warp. So what they had to do was cool the mirror down, find all the imperfections, measure exactly where those imperfections were. And then at room temperature, they had to imperfectly polish the mirror at that measured level of imperfection so that when they cooled it up, when they cooled it back down, it would correct itself back to be that equivalent flatness of three quarters of an inch wow, across the entire Atlantic Ocean. That's just kind of like a, uh, realigning a gold nib. Isn't that unbelievably <laughs> complicated? Like, I'm just like, how oh, in yeah. the that'll, world? That'll, like, I just can't even, your brain. I can't even conceive. And I'm just like, this is blowing my mind. So I was like trying to show all this stuff to Rachel. And she was like, nope, 
can't, nope, don't want this information in my head. This is too much. And I'm just like, look, ah, oh, mirrors, ah, polishing. And she was like, nope, not interested. <laughs> anyway, fun fact. That sounds familiar. Very cool little thing. There we go. Nice little bright spot in our world, which seems to be filled with terrible things. That is something cool and interesting that we can all kind of get learned. Anyway, that's all we got for you this week. Thank you so much. We'll catch you all on the next one. Thanks for watching and 